When the whole family comes together to watch the game, nobody wants to miss a second of the action to run to the grocery store. With Instacart, you can get all your weekly groceries in as fast as an hour. Less time shopping means more game time. Let's go. Visit instacart.com to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. $10 minimum per order. Additional terms apply. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. The chain of command, Elliot, as you understand it, Rowan's responsible when it comes to that number three pick. Uh, it's going to be a collaborative effort. Coach Mayo, myself, Matt Groh, the whole staff. Um, at the end of the day, somebody has to has to make that pick, and, and that'll be myself. Well, 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 well. I got to be honest. We talked about this a lot yesterday. I was very skeptical about what Elliot Wolf would say and how interesting he would be. I said, "There's no chance, Mego. He's going to answer who has final say," and he answered it. I'm not sure I believe him, but he answered it. How's Elliot Wolf today at the Combine? Pretty interesting stuff for Elliot Wolf today. Score one for Mego. Go in the Wayback Machine to yesterday. Score one for Mego. Combine week is when I really shine. A lot more. And I mean a lot more at Elliot Wolf than I expected to get here today. So this is your week? This I'm is my You're crushing it today. Thank you. Thank you. It's true. It's true. He said, put it all on me. I have the final say in the number three pick. That's what he said. Again, I'm not sure I believe him. Why would he? So, I mean, that's putting himself out there. Like, if they really screw it up and they take Jaden Daniels or Drake May and that guy sucks, then it's all on him. He's the one who has the final say. But yeah. it's collaborative. Yeah, I mean, this is yeah, like this is like Jeff Benedict. His name go, on this it. is like Jeff Benedict sitting here and telling us that you know. Uh, the crafts have no say in dynasty. It's nah, the same, nah, it's nah, the same nah. thing. Don't you put that on Jeff Benedict. That's what he said. Uh, oh, it's the same idea. And so if you know what your bosses want, and he made clear, by the way, and we'll get to it later on, he made clear they they share their opinion. They want to stay out of football, but they share their opinions. Wait a minute. I thought they stayed out of football. So I don't know that I totally believe him. That's but- like how we deal with Mr. Who's friendships. <laughs> I'm like, you know. I really like so-and-so. I'm not sure they're the best influence. Okay. I, but I'm not saying anything. It's your friendship. But look, I didn't even think he would do that. Like, I don't believe him, but at least he answered the question. And now we can parse out whether or not we believe him and we can dig into to what we believe, what we don't believe, uh, what sort of clues he dropped, things like this. And I wasn't sure there would be much value to his media availability. Uh, so I am interested in that. Combine week is where Mego shines. She had a scoop last year. I'm not sure anybody outside of this show gave her any credit for it. But she was the first one to tell you Bill Belichick would not be at the Combine a year ago. Mm-hmm. Do you have any info this year? Do you have any intel this year? We will be hearing, or there will be an on-the-record availability with Gerard Mayo. 
Wow. Dry Mayo's there. He will talk to the beat. Okay. Less newsy than Bill won't even show up, but still, uh, no one else has reported okay, that? at this point, last week, we thought that he Dry wasn't even Mayo gonna go. wasn't going to go. Yeah. Not only is he going, he's going to talk on the record to reporters. No. He's not going to be one of these cocktail affair affairs, like, off the record. We're not doing this over breakfast. Rubbing elbows. <laughs> no, he's going to talk on the record with reporters. Uh, look, it's a scoop. It's uh, it's something nobody else has reported yet. Mego is hearing that Gerard Mayo will talk to the media. I would just say, you know, it's it's uh, I uh, Bill not showing up to me felt like a bomb. I was surprised nobody really uh, latched onto that or latched onto that. I should say last year. Uh, so let's get into Elliot Wolf and what he had to say and how you feel about the Patriots and what I think is becoming a pretty crystal clear plan. Six one seven 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 nine seven ninety three seven. That's how you jump in line. Our phone lines are open here. Uh, that's how you get in touch with the program. Uh, up now at Jones and Mego. It sounds like, sounds like, and I'm reading into what Elliot Wolf had to say. We'll play you some of this coming up. It sounds like the Patriots are leaning towards a quarterback at pick number three. How do you feel about it? And your options are, I love it. I hate it. Or it depends on the quarterback. And I don't, I really don't get the people who would hate it. I guess those are the Tommy Currens of the world who we'll talk to later on this week. Doesn't want to take a quarterback doesn't believe in taking a quarterback there, doesn't feel like the Patriots are ready for it, actually wants them to take Jimmy Garoppolo and make him their quarterback, which is something he really said last night on television. So Arkan's another one of these. I, I, I don't like these quarterbacks. I hate the idea. And so I don't find that to be acceptable. If you're one of these people who says, it depends on the quarterback, I don't like them all, that's an acceptable answer I for me. I will say I think that's more where Curran has gone to. Okay. Like, I think he even he has... Moved, Tur- turned a little bit towards a different direction. Okay. Uh, well, we'll find out when we talk to him later on this week. We didn't get an Hated opportunity it. to talk to him last <laughs> week, uh, so we'll try to get an answer out of him. But it depends on the quarterback. That's acceptable to me. I think you're kind of a party pooper and you're no fun, but that's acceptable to me. I love it. This is how they should be talking. It's how Gerard Mayo talked. It was basically the season ticket holders uh, letter that the Crafts sent out. Mego sniffed this out right away, uh, making the connection to Drew Bledsoe. Talking up that pick, that's the whole point of the offseason. So to me, I love it. This is what they should be doing. They should be locked in on quarterbacks at pick three. I don't want to hear about trading back. I don't want to hear about Marvin Harrison Jr. I definitely don't want to hear about Joe Alt or whatever offensive lineman they could take. None of that makes sense to me. Figure out uh, who's going to be there. Uh, Hopefully you like him. I like all these quarterbacks, which is why I love that they seem to be involved and now telegraphing that they're going to be going quarterback at number three. I love it, Mego. How'd you vote? I love it, too. Like, uh, we don't agree a lot on the big Q during this portion of the show, but I absolutely loved hearing this from Woofy. That's my guy now. Like, I've first of all, A-plus performance, as Greg Hill would say, chef's kiss performance from Woofy up there. Basically just, I think, telling us that they are leaning very heavily towards the number three pick going to a quarterback like you, I like the what we think are going to be the top three quarterbacks. And I just, I don't want them to operate out of fear at all. Like he, the, my favorite part of his whole availability was when he said, you look around the league, most of the starting quarterbacks are first rounders. Yes. Thank you. Because all I heard for basically the month after the season ended was all about how, oh, you can go get a quarterback anywhere. Oh, first round bust. Oh, why are you going to do this? You're going to pa- pass up Marvin Harrison Jr. You do it because the opportunity's there. And this is supposed to be a once in a decade draft, as we heard yesterday. Take the swing. 
Go get a quarterback. It'll change your franchise. Well, you get a great receiver, you'll have a great receiver. You still need a quarterback if you're in that situation. And like, you know, again, Curran. So what's your solution, Curran? If you're not taking a quarterback, Garoppolo is his personal solution. Like, that blows. That's terrible. Well, he's not available for the first two games. Okay, but, like, even if he were, uh, Garoppolo might play for a game and then fall apart because he's made of glass. So, like, it's a horrible plan. That's your plan? To pass on a quarterback, your plan is Garoppolo. Or Arcand, who's not here again today. I know, he can't. Neither of these people can defend themselves right now, Jones. Arcand. Uh, we've argued about it plenty with Arcand. We'll argue about it with Curran later this week. Oh, my, my plan is Bo Nix. Oh, that's your plan? Okay, great. That doesn't sound like a great plan. So in the meantime, I'm going to try to get a franchise quarterback because that is the difference. So I love hearing that from Elliot Wolf. And I enjoyed listening to him. I'll just say this real quick on Wolf. Okay. He was not Matt Grow, Ryan. Your po- Ryan's point yesterday is like, let's find out. Is this guy a disaster? Cadence is very important. Elliot Wolf, believe it or not. And look, he was talking about how he's going to the combine when he was in diapers, talking to Bill Parcells and everybody else. <laughs> and he's still, you know, a little flavor for the football still dorks. Lucky sperm, uh, you know, uh, this this nepotism that's rampant throughout the NFL. Like that's still what Elliot Wolf is at the end of the day. And so there were little pockets of that throughout his press conference. But in general, he sounds like an adult. He doesn't sound like a snivelly little brat like Matt Grow, who has no idea what's going on. You know who else he doesn't sound like? What? Bill Belichick, who is, that was my biggest point of contention with Matt Grow is the verbiage, the cadence, the delivery, everything about Matt Grow is like, oh my God, he's just a little Belichick clone. He sounds like Steve. He sounds like Brian. He sounds like he is Matt Belichick. So, look, and I really appreciated that Elliot Wolf actually kind of sounded like his own human being. Okay, we don't know that. What does Ron Wolf sound like? Like, if I, if I had to... Not Bill Belichick. If I had to wager, my guess is he sounds exactly like Ron Wolf. I have so a very low bar, Adam. He's still a little prototype. Uh, you know, he's still a little prototype, a little, uh, uh, you know, uh, facsimile of his father, I'm sure. But whatever, I'll take it. It's different than Bill, and he doesn't sound like a child like Matt Grow. So I like that. Here's a little more Elliot Wolf. Here's the exchange. Mego just referenced it. Where do you find quarterbacks, and how does he feel about the development of a quarterback? How long should they sit? Here's that exchange. Yeah, I think uh, when you look throughout the league, that's a good question. I think when you look throughout the league, most of the quarterbacks are first-rounders. Um, yes. I think there's exceptions to be had, like, you know, Dak Prescott, Brock Purdy, and Tom Brady. Shh, um, shut up about them. But I think just the, the league-wide understanding of how important that position is and how important it is to have somebody there that can help you, you know, win games and get over the hump has, has changed league-wide. Okay, so I, do we have the Green Bay portion of that as well or no? Uh, if not, it's not a big deal. But he went on to talk about the development and quarterbacks sitting for a year. And one thing I like that he said there is, well, yeah, that's worked for Green Bay. He joked that they were lucky with Aaron Rodgers and Jordan <laughs> so Love. So humble, this guy. Okay. But also he said, yeah, but that's not the same for every single quarterback, which I liked hearing because the quarterback here better play. I don't want the quarterback to sit. I don't want the quarterback to wait four years before he plays Aaron Rodgers or Jordan Love. I want to know what the quarterback is. I want to find out early. And he said there are benefits to knowing early. Throw them into the fire. Find out what they have. But I largely agree with him. You can you can find quarterbacks elsewhere. I've said this before. I'm guilty of this. You can find them. You can find your Russell Wilson. You can find your Dak Prescott. You can find your Kirk Cousins. You can find your Tom Brady. You can find Brock Purdy, who I think can really play. You know, I uh, I don't like Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton made the pro, uh, the Pro Bowl. He made uh, the playoffs like the first four or five years of his career as a second round pick. Uh, you can find guys like that. Kaepernick made a Super Bowl from the second round. So I'm not telling you you can't find them. I'm just telling you where are most of the bona fide top end of the NFL can't miss prospects. You're just more likely to find them at the top of the draft. 
And I feel better about a first-time GM, Elliot Wolf, taking his swing at three than taking a swing on Bo Nix or Jimmy Garoppolo or waiting for a few years. I feel better about him drafting where, yeah, if you miss, it's going to be embarrassing, but there's less margin for error up there. Or I'm sorry, uh, uh, you know, there's an easier chance of hitting, I should say, at pick number three than there is on finding your quarterback in round two, round five, or free agency or something like that. And I'd say people love to throw out the stats about all the first-round busts of quarterbacks, but let's not pretend like every first round is created the same, like every draft is created the same. The experts are telling you that this is a really good draft. Like, it's a good draft overall in the first round. It's hard to go wrong. Yeah, they could be wrong, by the way. Yeah, they, they can be wrong. It's not every year that you hear that it's a really good quarterback draft. Like, I do remember in Mac Jones's year when I talked to people who were very close to the situation, they said a lot of these quarterbacks that are in the first round, not really these first-round I mean, quarterbacks. Look, I'll be consistent. I don't know who you talked to, but I'll be consistent. I felt like that was a good quarterback class, and that turned out to be an awful one. I think everyone felt solid about Trevor Lawrence. But the year prior was awesome. The year prior went Burrow, Tua, and Herbert. I forget the order, and Jalen Hurts in round two. So there's another second-round quarterback you can find. Like that, that was four hits out of the first quarterbacks taken, first four quarterbacks taken. So maybe it's the year 2020, or maybe it's the 2021 class, and the whole league will be wrong. I don't pretend to know. I just know you're up there. There are three quarterbacks available. You're guaranteed to get one. Go get one. So I love, love, love what Elliot Wolf had to say today. And it's on the heels of Gerard Mayo. I thought basically telling Steve Burton we're taking a quarterback. On the heels of the season ticket holders newsletter, uh, or letter rather, that the Kraft sent out, referencing Drew Bledsoe and the high pick, and now this. They're taking a quarterback. How do you feel about it, Patriots fans? 617-779-7937. We have open lines for you. Do you love it? Do you hate it? Or does it depend on the quarterback? And I want to hear how you would rank them. If it depends on the QB for you, I want to hear who do you want there, who wouldn't you want there. I want to hear from fans now, not after the draft pick in a couple of months. I will get to your feedback here. You can vote at Jones and Mega. We have a lot coming up on the program today. Triple play, Megsplaining, and Bet Roulette, as usual. We'll also talk to Rob Bradford as we do each and every Tuesday at 430 However, Ooh. we also have the Razor, Andrew Raycroft, joining us for a full oh, hour no, in studio. The Razor, too. Yes, 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 I am. We're going to be talking Patriots, uh, the importance of one player over team, which I find interesting talking to a goalie compared to a quarterback in the NFL. Plus, we'll get into some Bruins thoughts with them later on in the hour through the 3 o'clock hour as well. Razor joins us right after Trending with Ryan Gar. When the whole family comes together to watch the game, nobody wants to miss a second of the action to run to the grocery store. With Instacart, you can get all your weekly groceries in as fast as an hour. Less time shopping means more game time. Let's go. Visit instacart.com to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. $10 minimum per order. Additional terms apply. Why? Why? If you have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. 
Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. This is Jones and Mecco with Arcan on WEEI. You and Alonzo, you guys have been rating us as good as you guys are using. Why are you doing that? What do you think yeah, so uh, we changed the grading system. It's a little bit uh, more similar to what we did in Green Bay. Um, the, the previous Patriot system was more, this is what the role is, and this is more kind of value-based. So I think it, it makes it a lot easier for scouts to rate guys and, and put them in a stack of, like, this guy's the best, this guy's the worst, and, and everything in between falls into place rather than sort of more nuanced approaches. I, I just think it makes it, it, it accounts value better, and it also makes it easier for the scouts in the fall as well as in the spring to determine where guys will get drafted. That was Elliot Wolf earlier today. Uh, we got to hear from him really for the first time since he's been the Patriots director of scouting. Was that his official title today that he went with? I believe so. That was one of the first questions. Director hey, of scouting. Hey, what is it that you would say you do here? <laughs> I'm a people person. <laughs> director of scouting. Oh, you do everything here? Oh, okay. Well, or does he? I still want to debate that, but the uh, Patriots are changing their grading system. Uh, one of the updates from him today. Uh, we're joined now by Andrew Raycroft, the Razor, for a full hour here. What's going on, Razor? Not much. Catching up on sleep, and um, I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me for yeah, a I, full hour. I can't imagine all of these Bruins overtime shootout, mostly losses. I can't imagine those are those are great on the sleep schedule. Certainly not not enjoyable. Those extra it, and the extra it's just fifteen minutes, right? And and the players are actually like dealing with but it's it can it can put you in a bad place those extra fifteen minutes at, at one thirty in the morning watching on TV. I can only imagine. So I want to uh I want to get to your hockey team coming up because they are in a funk. Yeah. I want to get to a uh, a hot take that drove Canada nuts about a year ago that, that seems to be <laughs> Picking up a little bit of steam with you. But I think you're an interesting person to talk to about, you know, just the the way a team is built. And I'm sure you've heard this before. Tim Thomas carried the Bruins to a cup or whatever. The 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 importance of a goaltender versus the rest of a team. Mm-hmm. The importance of a quarterback versus the rest of the team. Like, we get into this constantly when we're talking about the Patriots. And I don't know, how how, when you're building a team, should you look at I don't know, basing it around one player, a skill set like that where you need this goaltender to go on a deep run or you need a quarterback to go on a deep run or you need a starting pitcher to go on a deep run. Do you believe in reaching for that kind of player or do you believe in, hey, let's fill out our team, the the best player available sort of approach? Because that's that's what we've been talking about with the Patriots on and off for the last month. It's really similar too in in and especially I think also the the mentality of both the quarterback NFL quarterback and the NHL goaltender. Um, 20 years ago, you needed one guy and you ran one guy. Now you have the San Francisco 49ers and Brock Purdy and you're saying, okay, which model's better against Mahomes, right? Mahomes wins because he's the best quarterback yeah, that, that, that always kind of wins. But is that really sustainable to try and continue to build a team and hope that you get a Patrick Mahomes? And I think NHL goaltending is kind of similar and the way teams are made are pretty similar. If you end up with a guy 
like Andre Vasilevsky, uh, great. Now you, you use that. But if you're the Colorado Avalanche and your best players are Kale McCarr and Nate McKinnon, and then you you just kind of plug a goalie in, and or the Vegas Golden Knights and use three of them last season. So there there's a couple ways of thinking. Each team thinks a little bit different. I think the the analogy is perfect and spot on on how you build from scratch. Fortunately, the Bruins. And the situation there, and they're not the Pats. So they don't have to go looking for, they have their goalies already. They have that identity in there, whether it's, and it's both of them at this point. So you kind of build around that. Um, you, you don't have to go out and look or make the decision we're going to build from the back out or the front back. So you're, you're a believer in taking a quarterback? Like up high? No, I, I wouldn't. From my far NFL, I wouldn't because I, and I, this is the same thing why I'm I and I know I've done this last season. I've done this the last couple of years when people talk about the Bruin. I don't believe in draft picks. I, I'm always taking get, the get I'm, rid of all their picks. I'm always taking the guy who's done it in the league. I, I just I grew up with a bunch of people that were really good hockey players that got drafted really high that never made it. I I just know and, and I think that's different than foot. You know, let's cr- stop the cross pollination of sports now. Let's just <laughs> stick with hockey because that's what I know. NHL drafting is not like all the others. It's not like drafting third overall in the NFL. And I think that sometimes bleeds in here in Boston because people get fixated and everyone loves the NFL draft because it's so big. NHL draft's not the same. You're not drafting 22-year-old kids who have played three years in the NCAA. You're drafting 18-year-old kids that have just come out of junior or just left their parents' house. So it's such a different... Uh, way of evaluating players and picking players and and certainly not nearly as important. So um, so when I go to the NFL, it's a little bit different than the NHL. Um, but but no, I wouldn't I wouldn't pick a quarterback at three. I would try and build the team better and go get a guy who's played quarterback. Okay, already. well, Razor, thanks for coming in today. No, talking about the quarterback that we're taking at three. Yes. <laughs> he's he's one of these. If he was going to vote in our big question of the day, uh, and you can at Jones and Mego, you can also dial us up 617-779-7937. Uh, it sounds like the Patriots are taking a quarterback Razor. I hate to break it to you. No, I heard. Yeah, I was listening. So uh, we love it. Uh, there's a lot of people out there saying it depends on the quarterback. That's actually leading uh, the poll right now, 46%. I think that that's a cop-out, by the way. Like, I understand if you have one guy, and this is how I hope that the Patriots are actually thinking. Yeah. Like, I want a quarterback. You and I both like these top three quarterbacks as they're listed right now. But I hope that the way that the Patriots are approaching it is out of these three, there's one that they are locked in on. And they say, this is the guy that we want, well, yeah. and we're going to go and get him. But what if him. he's not there? So then it depends on the quarterback. Like, I'm fine with that answer from listeners Well, if he's not there, there, then you have to go get him. Like, if you're going to take the quarterback, then, then you have you to go trade get up. him. Just don't go number one for Caleb Williams. That's okay. all I'd say. Okay. Uh, so we love it. Uh, that's 43%. Again, it's leading with 46%. Depends on the quarterback. Razor hates it. Uh, 11%. You can yell at him. 617-779-7937. You want to take some calls here? Razor? Oh, do I ever. Okay. And, and look, part. you want to you pepper Razor with Bruins questions? Go ahead. Because yeah. the team is a mess right now, it seems. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's a little strong. I understand. They're tied, I think, for the, uh, yeah. the most points in the NHL. Yeah. But it feels it, like they've come back to the pack, and they are they're they're losing every night in overtime. They haven't won, and they haven't won a regulation game in in eight. So, and that hasn't happened since twenty ten. So, it, it, it's a it's a relative mess. Yeah, and talk it, radio it's, speak. It's a mess. It's yeah. a yeah, it's a dumpster fire for talk radio. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and yes, absolutely. Bring it on. Bring those questions. Okay. On. Uh, so, if you got questions for him, we'll get to uh, Allmark as well coming up, and what the Bruins should do at the trade deadline. Let's start it off with Jonathan in Vermont. Go ahead, Jonathan. Hi, I think the Patriots should 
trade with the Giants at five, with, they would get the five, fifth pick, Daniel Jones, plus Exeter, and they could take a left tackle. If, without that left tackle, it doesn't matter who's back there quarterback. They're dead meat. Okay, I, I, I just vehemently disagree with that. The Razor, those are your people. Uh, I believe the Giants <laughs> are drafting at six, by the way, so I think he has his numbers a little bit wrong. But you move back and you take a tackle. Uh, your quarterback won't be any good without the tackle. This is why I think, Mego, these mobile quarterbacks are so important. I, I think you're less reliant on an offensive line. I mean, at, at some point, you're going to need people to protect your quarterback. Even Mahomes found that out against Tampa in the Super Bowl a few years ago. So somewhere along the line, you're going to need it. But the more mobile your quarterback, and we just haven't seen a lot of that here. I guess we saw late career, end of career, career over Cam Newton. Uh, but we're not used to seeing that mobile quarterback. They can be a complete difference maker without an offensive line. That's part of the reason I like all three of these quarterbacks. I think they're all pretty mobile. Look, as you sit right now, you don't have tackles on the roster, so you need to go and get tackles. But I'd also say, like, if we're talking about guys who are going to be ready in the draft to play this year, if you're looking at having two tackles on your roster week one of this year, I think, first of all, one of them should be Mike Nguyenu at right tackle. And I really think that, as unsexy as it sounds, you should use a big chunk of your free agency money to go out and get another one. And then you can draft another tackle if you want as somebody who's developmental. I just don't know that I trust as much that you're going to have a rookie quarterback out there, hopefully, and then a rookie left tackle out there as well. I think that, that that's a lot to ask in week one. What, a, what is the NHL must have some sort of combine, right? Yes, but not. Is it like the Ontario Hockey League has their own but, thing, and then like do they do it by league? They do it in Buffalo. Uh, no, no, everybody comes in. They'll bring in the first rounders, the first two rounders. You'll put them on the bike, and in it, it, it is beneficial to the teams mostly just because of the interviews because everyone's there, right? So, so the teams basically set it up in Buffalo. They'll do their interviews for the first two rounds worth of players. Um, they'll run through, but it. it the 40 score isn't going to up or down your draft, right? Like these kids. Do you guys run the 40? No, they'll do the, they'll do mostly skate, biking. Skate the they'll do the skate, the four, they'll do the skating agility, et cetera. But there's nothing like, uh, like I was in Dallas and I remember we would go to the gym, like the Michael Johnson gym. He's at the big gym and we'd go out at like this time of year. And it was literally full of guys trying to break down their 40 run. So they would get really slash, a millisecond off and that would put their stock up like five rounds, huh. right? Like that's literally what they're up to right now is trying to build their 40 since college ended is every step being that, that millisecond faster. So it's not, there's a combine, but it's, it's basically, I think for the, the teams just to get together and hang out and have dinners together. How fast do you, you think you could run a 40 mega right now? Yeah. I don't even want to say how fast do you think you could run a 40 five. Could you break five? Five's slow, five, isn't it? Five like, was like Brady. Brady ran a like a five. Player. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's still like at the combine. He's still going into the draft. You're talking to people in I'm their 30s to, I'm and talking 40s. To pro- I'm talking to a professional athlete. I'm wondering, you know, how uh, five. A million. Five and a half. So if six. I just like put running sneakers on right now. Yeah, definitely. Oh, no, you're sleep deprived right now. Definitely yeah. five and a half. Okay, but if you gave me like a month, definitely five. Like I feel Some like training. I get that. I'm old. I am getting older though. I, I forget that. But definitely five. Trent if Brown. I trained for a month. Do you know what Trent Brown's 40-yard dash time was? <laughs> what? Whatever it is, I can beat that. What is it? 5.29 seconds. Yeah, okay. so there you go. Like, I can do it. Like, that .29 is, like, a big deal, right? Like, that. And that's, that's what they where, were training for. That's what they're training for is to get under that .29. Like, there's some dude who ran a 5.2 um, a year ago, and he's literally de- spent every day of his 
last existence yeah. getting under five. No, his name is Tyquan Thornton. That's how yeah. he became a second-round pick. Hey, there you go. That That's a perfect example. And it did not work out. Uh, Joe yeah. is in Randolph. Go ahead, Joe. Yeah, hi. Hey, my neighbor's pit bull chasing you. You'd giddy up in <laughs> under five, I'll tell you that. <laughs> True. Uh, well, listen, I think I got a little bit of deja vu here. Um, you're going to pick a quarterback in the first round. You get no receivers. You've got no O-line. It looks like we're going to have a replay of Mac Jones all over again. Save me. Save yeah, me. So, look, I <laughs> I don't quite think that's what it is. Hey. Like, if you want to tell me it's a replay of Trey Lance all over again, well, then fine. Maybe it is. And I would counter and say, well, maybe it's Tua or maybe it's Herbert. Or, you know, maybe it's, uh, was Deshaun Watson the third quarterback in his class? I think he was, you know, and uh, forget about where things ultimately went with Watson. Like, that's a guy who could play for a while in the league. And so, Mac Jones is the fifth quarterback in his class. And Mac Jones, at this point in time at the Combine, wasn't even a projected first-round pick necessarily. Like, he wasn't a lock as a first-round pick. He's a guy who flew up the board late and maybe was overdrafted, to your point, Mego. But, like... If you want to tell me it's Trey Lance or some cautionary tale like that, I'll hear you out. This is not this is not Mac. Mac was the fifth quarterback taken, and he went 15. That's not comparable to pick three, I don't think. So I think what more what he was saying there was that it's a situation where your roster is so just completely bare the way that it was the year. I mean, it was a better roster the year that they were taking Mac Jones, I think, on offense. Yeah, for sure. Than it is this year. So I understand the comparison and you're expected to go into free agency, spend all this money to get these turnkey players that you're going to overpay for to bring in and then work magic in the draft. Like, I understand, but what are your other options? Is your other option that you're going to trade down and stockpile a bunch of assets and work this over the next three years and then, boom, like, Gerard Mayo and Wolfie are out of a job or something? Like, if I'm these guys who are running the team, I'd rather take a big swing than honestly try to play it safe and be somewhere in the middle for the next three years while the rest of the division continues to pass me by. Feels like they can't play it safe. Like, with it feels like, of course, Belichick could always play it safe. He could do whatever he wanted. It feels like this group won't These be able to play it safe. These are guys who are out to prove themselves. Well, Most well of they have one have never chance. done it before. And, like, think of, uh, you know, to bring it back to the Bruins for a minute, think of Sweeney's first draft, right? Like, he felt the pressure, I think, to go up and take a big swing, and he was trying to do it. He had all these picks consecutively after trading away Lucic, and... You know, he tried to make a big move, and that followed him for a while. Still does somehow. I mean, well, his drafting, I I do think that's fair, but I think when it comes to, you know, some of his trades and his trade deadlines, I do think he gets a benefit of the doubt there. Yeah. Maybe the draft picks is more fair, but, like, that's how we framed him for a while, and I think that's what Wolf and Mayo may be afraid of. That's human nature, and I get it. I just think that's a bad way to to go about running your team. Agreed. And and it seems as though, like, if they... They have a lot of, and the the big thing is our free agents coming. Like, there's so many questions around that too, right? Like, you have to have your free agent board in place before you do this draft as well. And now there's a hundred, what, five hundred million dollars, whatever. Yeah. It's irrelevant what the salary cap is in the NFL. Who you can go and get, and do you need a quarterback to sell on those free agents rather than the tackle? I, that's got to be a big pressing button for this team as well, and who they draft is going to lead into free agencies coming here. No, for sure. And so let's hear a little more from Elliot Wolf here because I thought he had a couple of interesting answers on the quarterbacks in this year's class. Let me hear Wolf too, if I could. I think it's a really good year for quarterbacks. Um, it's a really good year at a lot of positions. Uh, like any position, we're going to 
We're going to evaluate their strengths and weaknesses, determine who fits for us. We're pretty early in the process here. Like I haven't met any of these guys. Gerard hasn't met any of these guys. So, you know, as we continue through the process here, we'll we'll determine um, what's best for the team. And, you know, one thing uh, about the quarterbacks in this draft specifically that that I'm excited about is they they all look like they're really tough guys, which you know is obviously great at any position, but the quarterback position especially. Okay. So Ooh, a bunch of tough guys. Well, put a pin yeah. in that because number one, we heard this from Alex Van Pelt. Number two. That might be a shit. Remember when he went through all his traits on what he wants on a quarterback? He's like, I want him to be tough more than anything. It's like, oh, great. They're going to be running the football. They're not going to be throwing the football. It's you not going to get faster. You better get fast, guys. It's not going to be a modern <laughs> offense. And so Van Pelt said that, so it caught my ear. It also sounds like he's taking a bit of a shot at a former Patriots quarterback still on the roster, mm-hmm. Mac Jones. But if you thought that was a shot, wait to hear where this one goes. Uh, let yeah. me hear Wolf uh, exchange number three, if I could. First of all, being a being someone that can elevate his teammates, someone that your teammates want to play for. I think that's an extremely underrated thing that people don't really talk about that much. Um, Leadership's important, and obviously, you know, physical talent. We wouldn't be talking about these guys if they weren't physically talented. Okay. Uh, He went on to say uh, later on that, you know, body language is very important with these quarterbacks as well. And to me, that's a direct shot at Mac Jones I would imagine, like, a quarterback is like a goalie in this way, too. Like, we talk about the centerpiece of the the, the the team and how you're building them. I'd imagine that when you're coached up, the, the body language for a goaltender is very important because the whole team's going to see it. The whole, the whole building's going to see it. The opposing team is going to see it. Your teammates are going to see it. I imagine that's the same way with these quarterbacks, and that, that felt like a shot at Mac. It oh, did. it was a shot. It was Because that was the narrative around Mac Jones yeah. for two years, his yeah. body language and pouting and et cetera. So a direct shot and... It, it plays a huge factor. Teammates do not appreciate being shown up. Teammates do not appreciate a guy who makes it about themselves. And typically, that's what body language is doing. It, it's a way to express that it's not my fault. That That's essentially what body bad body language is and does to a goaltender or a quarterback. It's it's their way of showing everyone why well, I had my guy or, or someone else needed to do something better. And uh, players see it, hate it, teammates hate it, and it, it goes, you would rather, you're better off calling someone out. Uh, you get respect by calling out. It's the passive-aggressive body language that you get zero respect for. What well, if it's your coach? <laughs> <laughs> that is true. That is true. You get that sometimes from the coaches. What? I mean, he could have been taking a shot at Caleb Williams, for all we know, but... You mean weeping? Like if your quarterback is weeping on mommy, that's a bad look? Yeah, I think that's a bad yeah. look. I thought that too. When I heard that, I'm like, the of all, like, that's the guy that you're not picking, obviously. At what level, at what level are we skating over and crying on mommy in hockey? Is that mites? <laughs> is that what's below, what's below, uh, what's below depends mites? Depends on the moms, but it, it <laughs> yeah. would depends. certainly stop by <laughs> novice. Depends <laughs> on the prep school? Depends yeah, on see, the moms. Yeah, certainly moms. depends on the, yeah. It's a good way of putting it. it. Depends on uh, your zip code. Think, <laughs> All right, we'll be getting to your phone calls here. 617-779-7937. Our big question of the day remains up. At Jones and Mego, uh, it sounds like certainly the Patriots are leaning towards a quarterback at pick number three. How do you feel about it? Uh, does it depend on the quarterback for you? Do you love it like Mego and I? Do you hate it like Razor? Uh, you can call him up on that. You can call him up on the Bruins as well. We'll take all your B's thoughts because they continue to lose in overtime and shootouts, and they continue to come back to the pack 
Uh, how do we feel about the Bruins and their struggles? Why are they struggling so much right now? We'll get that answer from Razor with your phone calls next. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Talk about the two goalies. I don't think it matters who comes first. Trust me, it matters. Jones and Mego. It matters. We talked about it in between the second about being aggressive um, offensively so that we could, you know, we want to have a uh, killer instinct, also extend leads. So is it lack of focus? Is it. uh... Allmark trying to send that puck all the way down and a mistake there on the goalie handle? No, I don't think it's, I don't know. Sometimes when you're in that situation and things don't go well. That's one each way on goalie borders on this trip. Yeah, you wait for things to happen instead of making things happen. I think we're waiting for things to happen. We don't have the right attitude to start thirds with the league. The Bruins finish with a shootout loss. Another blown third period lead. Another shootout loss last night for the Bruins, which means another late night for Andrew Raycroft. Joining us here on Jones and Mego without Arkan. On goalie borders <laughs> on this trip. Jones and I'm glad we have a goaltender in here so we can explain that, exactly what a goalie was boner is. Last night. That, that made me giggle at midnight last night. <laughs> I can only imagine. That's a good time for it. A good time for it. it. Uh, so plain and simple, what's what's going on with the hockey team right now? Because, you know, high-class problems. They're still tied for the NHL lead in points. They're still getting points most of these nights. They just beat the crap out of Vancouver at home a week or so ago, whenever that was. So it's a high-class problem, but they're not playing well. So what's going on with the team? I think that's great color. And when we heard it 
from Montgomery. We heard it from the players the last day or two. Uh, again, a lot of it was at night, so I don't know if everyone really tuned in and listened, but he he's very honest. The group's very honest that they haven't been happy with this and, and the lead problem, and, and you just heard it from Montgomery, not being ready for third periods, not having the right mindset, uh, is wearing on them, and, and they are frustrated. And what they've talked about is is spot on from my point of view. It's it's the application of it now. Um, it's actually going out and doing it. Now, the league's really hard too, okay? Right? Like, the, the league is really difficult, and we're at game 60. But they used to be able to protect leads. Like, this is a no, team that used to protect sh- leads, and now they're not. It was their MO, and now it isn't. You're right. And, and, and you can go in every facet, whether it's the one extra save from the goaltender, the defense, the forwards not coming back, the power play not scoring. All of these things are contributing. It's kind of turned into this perfect storm. Um, again, just going back quickly, though, to, to, to February. It's February. It's not April 10th where this can't be turned around or this might be something that bleeds into playoffs. The Seattle Kraken, the Calgary Flames, the teams that are playing are absolutely fighting for their lives before the trade deadline. Like the Seattle Kraken needed to get two points more than anything else last night because if they don't, they're probably sellers and guys are leaving and guys are picking up fans. Like it's that it's that point in the season in the NHL where that's what the Bruins are playing. Not an excuse, just a little bit of context with where they are compared to some of these other teams in the NHL. Back to the the, the blowing of the leads. It does happen more in the NHL nowadays, um, especially if your special teams haven't been good. And that's really the root of this problem, I think, on... It, other than six on five, six on five separate. So the blowing of the leads and the six on five stuff is two separate silos for me. The blowing of the leads, their special teams have dropped to 10th and both 10th power penalty kill and power play 10th. Two months ago, penalty kill was first power place. Third last season, first, first season before that first third, that I can't remember when the Boston's penalty kill hasn't been in the top 10, at least like since I've been following this team and really analyzing and being on TV and that's five years and that's different coaches, right? I mean, that's, that's like, that's like an overarching thing for the Bruins Correct. for a long time. It's yeah. just been natural. doesn't matter who the coach has been. Um, I guess it's matter. Maybe Patrice Bergeron, not there. That's the one thing that's different this season, but even that the start of the year, they were, they were managing that without him and, and they were top of the league. When you've gone to nine games in a row in overtime and your penalty kill or your special teams aren't great, that's the difference. It's literally a goal every night. And and that's pretty easy to find in a National Hockey League game these days. And I think you're finding that whether it's the PK or the power play from the Bruins not coming through is causing this to happen. And they're surviving on their good five-on-five play and allowing them to get the point, but they're not excelling because it's a special teams league and they're not excelling in special teams. So something that you referenced a couple minutes ago and that I heard you say on post game last night was about these teams that they're playing like the Kraken who are in Calgary, who are playing kind of in a desperation mode and they're still tied for Bruins are tied for most points in the league. So, I mean, is this them? I don't want to say like sitting back a little bit, but you hear them talk about the mindset and the attitude. How much of that is human nature and how much of it is, hey, we went all out during the regular season last season and then we got, we got, you know, sent out in the first round. And so we're taking a different approach this year. Yeah, I think it's both a little human nature. I I found myself kind of 
in, while while I'm watching and while I'm thinking about this team, and and it might sound that I'm a little, um, I just put it to the side. Is that does it really matter until April for this group? Like, does it really matter what's going on right now? And of course, it does because we have to talk about it on a day to day basis. But after what happened last season. There has to be something in these players' minds a little bit where how does any of this matter as long as we win four games the second week of April? Or if we lose the four games, does it matter right now? I think that's part of the human nature with but is this. But that, is that like a dangerous mode for them it can to be. go into it can even be. And though I think, it's February? Yeah, yeah, I think that's where you hear Montgomery saying we need this can't continue. Like we can't just flip this on and off and we can't allow human nature to take over on some of these things. We need desperation. That, that's the that's the plea I hear from and and Montgomery used that word desperation. I they have to get to that level and you can take a but it's and you could take a bit of a pass maybe even ten days ago with this. But now that it's really set in, I think last night this trip is kind of the kicker where they get back and enough's enough with these leads in this third period stuff because. It has to be more desperate. You have to recognize something's wrong, and you have to be desperate to move out of it. Real quick, before we get to some of these phone calls, because there's a lot of you waiting patiently with all your Bruins questions and everything else uh, for Razor here on Jones and Mego with Arcan. I'm sorry, without Arcan uh, all week. Razor in. Um, does Pasternak in a shootout? Does that bother you at all? Because he had one. He had one goal last night. The first goal on the 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 breakout pass from Shattenkirk, I think it was, was. Almost exactly like what he does in a shootout, right? Like, it's so nonchalant. <laughs> a is kind of rifles it up there, and he does the same thing in a shootout. I know that started to frustrate a lot of Bruins fans. Does that bother you? Because he got he got stuff to get in the shootout last night. He he did. And the it's amazing, right? Because of the I, last night was a perfect example of how different a game in a shootout is and, and what a different skill it is because... It, it was the same person, same goalie, same everything at a high, high level, and it looks different, right? Like the way the shootout looks compared to his nonchalant in a in, in a penalty in a game situation, a yeah. breakaway situation is so different. And the nonchalant in a breakaway is there's only two guys that can do that in the world, and that's what makes it so difficult because it was so easy. It makes it he just flips it over, he scores every time in a game. And then in a shootout, a lot of guys have that speed, and, and that's where the goalie can kind of match up. It's all about speed. You see in the, the breakaway last night, Grubauer's back on the line. He gives up the whole net because he's not used to gapping and, and keeping his depth and matching the speed of a player that's going so slow in a game. It just doesn't happen. And and in a shootout, a lot it does happen more, and he was able to, to hold that gap. I would have loved... Listen, I'm not going to criticize... The guy, he's one of two guys that can score 60 goals in the league. That's kind of where it starts and ends like it's like them like we could go to another sport and like the best player you kind of have to deal with some of the things that they do at times the bad turnover from a quarterback or Lamar like you just have to sometimes deal with some of that but I would love if I had them and I could give them advice I would say crank it up in a shootout be the opposite skate as fast as you can shoot it as hard as you can and see what happens but He's more of a genius than than most, so you 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 have to kind of deal with it. I, I I don't know if that's the right answer, but he's really hard to play against. Goalies are scared of him, even in a shootout. Even though it doesn't look like it, I promise you, Grubauer didn't really feel comfortable with him coming in last night. Okay, uh, so if you if you can give if you can give him some advice, that's your advice for posture. I, I would like, like to see that I, just because it's different. Yeah, yeah. Because the other thing too is and it's like it's from your perspective as a as a former. No, goalie. and, and yeah. the issue that these guys have right now too is they've gone to so many shootouts 
the book's out. Yeah, you're running like, out of moves. I know what Mac. Last night, McAvoy did that two, three games ago. I would have bet my house that he was going to come in hard down the right side, go to his backhand, <laughs> and try and make that move. It worked a week ago. And I also guarantee you, I bet even more than my house, that Grubauer has watched all of that video. Like, I watched all of the videos of guys that did shootouts two weeks prior every game. Before every single game, we watch video on what guys were doing, what their tenant. Charlie Coyle, always, that's his move. He went forehand. He's done it so much because they've had to go to so many shootouts that the book's out on these guys. They really have to change it up in a big way because they've gone to so many shootouts. If you only went to one in the last month and a half, right. it's harder for the goalies. It, it, it won't look the same. But when you've gone to one every other day for two weeks, the goalie sees all the different looks, how you skate, how you pick up the puck almost is a tell. For these goaltenders, it's like it's like some, playing the hits. Well, some guys they only have one move and they think it's like a showstopper. That's right. That is never true. good. And when you see it coming, show a little variety when here. It, when you see it coming <laughs> seven weeks in a row, yeah. it's like switch it up. Okay. I'm saying it's yeah. like it's, change you know, up the speed. It's like playing the hits on sports talk radio. You know, it's at some point they they hear the takes uh, often enough. You gotta you need a little more variety. Right. I hear I hear you. Six one seven 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 nine seven ninety three seven. There's a lot of people waiting patiently with their Bruins questions for Andrew Raycroft. He's here for another 15 minutes, so stick around on that. We still have our big question at two. Up now on Jones and Mego. Sounds like the Patriots are going quarterback at three. How do you feel about it? Do you like it? Do you hate it? Or does it depend on the quarterback? I will get you more Elliot Wolf sound coming up as well. Plus, there was a trade idea from one brilliant mind a year ago that offended an entire nation. Uh, it seems to be picking up some steam. Let's get to it with Razor next. As we turn the corner into the new year, a lot of people are looking to get healthier. That includes Hero Bread, who have just launched their new recipe using heart-healthy olive oil. Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. All with no compromise on the taste, texture, and bready goodness you expect from your favorites. Now they're listening to their fans and updating their recipe with olive oil, an antioxidant-rich oil that's been shown to reduce cholesterol and minimize the risk of heart disease. Try it today with code HERO10 for 10% off your purchase at HERO.CO. That's code H-E-R-O-10 for 10% off at Hero.co. Tacovas is a terrific boot brand, and they're bringing a fresh perspective to heritage boot making. So they've carried forward all the time-honored traditions and quality you find in a great pair of cowboy boots. But they've innovated on comfort, style, and service. As someone who tries to pursue a minimalist lifestyle, I highly value quality over quantity. And I'm telling you, you can't find a higher quality boot than Tacovas. Their Western boots for men and women are handmade. Handmade from the most premium leathers with over 200 time-honored individual steps. Also, did I mention that they are Austin-designed, Texas-tested, and handmade down in the boot-making capital of the world, Leon, Mexico? And also, if you've ever wondered if you can pull off cowboy boots, which is something that I was thinking, you should pull on a pair of Tacovas and you'll see. Just do a quick search for Tacovas on social media and you'll see how adorably styled these boots can be. Visit tacovas.com, that's T E C O V A S.com, and point your toes west.
This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. So what exactly is the show about? It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball and baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Teams out there do believe that the Bruins are trying to upgrade their roster. And all you have to do is look at what they are capable of and say, it's not coming out of the draft. Do they really want to deal their top prospects, some of whom have already played in the NHL? I don't think so. So if they want to make changes, it probably has to come off their roster. And that's why I think people are looking at Allmark. Now, I don't think it's impossible. He has some control. But the whole thing is, if the Bruins are trying to win the Stanley Cup, then why would you subtract from one of your greatest strengths? How's Elliot Friedman on the 32 Thoughts podcast? Played that for you uh, yesterday, rather. I think it's worth circling back to here in hour number two of Jones and Mego without Arkant. With Razor. With Razor. We got Razor for another uh, 10 minutes or so. And so, look, I I know a year ago we, we went back and forth on this. Should the Bruins trade a goaltender? The goaltending rotation was working very well last year. It started pretty well this year. It seems to have fallen off a touch, although it is still a strength of theirs. Mm-hmm. Is that something they should be looking at leading up to the trade deadline, which is, whatever, 10 days away, March 8th? Yeah. So let this is kind of where it, whether you think that they should do it or whether you think that they shouldn't do it, etc. Um, I'm not sure what the value is for Linus Ulmer. Like, do when... Right, what when, could you get in return? Exactly. Like, what's... Is it... A, like, they could... Like, I... There hasn't been any trades being made, so we don't really know just in general what the market is, but especially goaltenders. There's teams that need goaltenders that haven't pulled the trigger on getting goaltenders. And if I told you Linus Allmark was going to only get you a draft pick, would you trade for that? Oh, well, maybe. What can I? What can I what do can with the? Turn with I what can I do with the five million yeah. in savings? Yeah, I would say Correct. probably not. I mean, yeah, you you save money, and then maybe you can turn the draft pick for something else. But I would rather have a match that has somebody. I mean, you got to send out back. money to get a player. You, so if if you make a trade over here and carve out some space, and then you can acquire. I mean, Noah Hannafin's contract is very similar. Yep. If, if you make a trade over here to deal away Allmark, and then bring in someone like Hannafin or or whatever, maybe that's too high level of a trade. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I might be interested in that. It just depends on they would need to do something else. It, it's certainly, I guess, the point. My point is, it's not a one for one. You're you're not trading Linus Allmark for Noah Hannafin. You're not trading Linus Allmark for a top two line right winger. Um, that's not that's not how the league's working. That's not what the value is. So you essentially have to have another deal in place, or you're doing it to upgrade your team to get rid of salary. Essentially, that that seems, from my point of view, how the deal is going to get made and why the deal is going to get made. I I wouldn't do it because. I don't want to trade Linus Allmark and have something happen to Jeremy Swayman two weeks later and, and not have anything in between. That just scares the heart out of me. Andrew um, Raycroft e-bug? I mean, you get all that, yeah. Jump downstairs? Me, that's worse than me running a 40. <laughs> uh, much more of a problem for everybody. I, I just think that the identity of this team is those guys. I think you, you hope that, again, 
hope and get one of those guys cooking for the playoffs. And and you have both, and it just seems like more of an off-season deal. I, I think that there was I, – I think that they would have – had there been a lot of trades being done, if there had been salary cap last season, I think we could have saw it last summer. But it, it just seems like an off-season move. It feels like it changes too much of what this team is if we do that in the next 10 days. Unless, to your point – you have to do it to get an upgrade. Elsewhere. Like, of course, there's always, a, you know, if you get Connor McDavid, then of course you're doing it. Like, there's always, yeah, a, I would do that. You're always, you know, someone's always worth something. Um, you're always, you know, your your value is only so much and to a point. So, but it's it just not. I hope I, I when I hear Linus Allmark getting traded or Jeremy Swayman, a goalie getting traded, I, I I just hope people don't think that you can get a top six forward or a top three defenseman for Linus and that's it. That's just not what the value is. You would have to make two or three moves around it to get it. And if that's the case, then sure, I just don't know what that looks like. So as you describe uh, Omar's value right now and saying kind of like, if I'm hearing you right, that if there was a deal to have been made, maybe they would have made it well before now. Like, does that indicate that there wasn't as much interest in Allmark? when they may have been more open to changing the look of this team before? Yes, because there's so many, there's literally, I, we could rattle off five goalie names that are all kind of around $5 million that these teams that aren't good with goaltending, like the New Jersey Devils, have been connected to over and over and over again for nine months, and no one's done it. It hasn't happened. So, so yeah, I just, I, I'm not sure if it's that's all going to just come to fruition here in the next eight days. It just seems a little far-fetched right now. Are they worth investing in? Are the Bruins worth, like, making a move? Uh, they they gave up a lot last year at the trade deadline. Yes. It's not going to look like last year, no okay, matter what. Okay, but I, part of me feels that the Bruins coming back to earth, and if that's how you view it, losing these overtime games and, you know, uh, struggling as they have relatively over the last 10 games, like, part of me feels like that gives Sweeney an ownership an excuse to say, well look, we don't really fully believe in this team. We went all in last year. This is a year to get right. Let's see how far we can go. And I don't want to give them that out. Like, I do I do feel that this team is worth investing in. The question then becomes to what end? Like, if they make a trade, do I feel like they're winning the cup? Probably not. But I do feel like they can go on a run, and I think that's worth making a move. Yes, exactly. We've seen it, right? Like, I think it's very you, – you can't you, – do you think – no one's talking about hockey in Florida, but do you think if if they were this time last year, they're talking about Florida going to the Stanley no, Cup Finals? Of course hockey not. is so so random, and the deadline six weeks before the season ends. You have to assume if you're the if you're in the top eight, let's say in the National Hockey League in points at this point, you have to assume you can go on a run, um, and that's where the Bruins are. So yes, you you they've have been to- they've been top of the league basically all year. All year. And they win games. Yes, overtime's a problem. Shootouts are a problem right now. But um, the the fact Cam came out yesterday and talked about getting a stiff defender and, and possibly in hoping to get some offense up front, that tells me that they're thinking this team can go. And, and, and as long as it falls, look at 19. Everything just kind of falls into place in the NHL playoffs differently for everybody as well. It just, it, it inevitably does. And inevitably, there's going to be someone get knocked off that you didn't think was going to get knocked off. There's going to be a goalie gets hot, a goalie gets cold, a team gets cold, and they're going to be out in the first round. And then you get to the second round and say, oh, we have a path. Uh, and and you just try and focus on that if you're an NHL team, an organization. I think from the, the 
that's what the Bruins are looking at. That they have to upgrade. They have to try and get a little better. It's really hard when you have fifty-seven thousand dollars in cap space, like every other team in the Eastern Conference. That's why it's going to look different than it did last year. I don't think it's an arms race like it was last season, uh, and which could make more of a reason to to add something that you think you need and try and make it happen because. These teams aren't going to be able to add six, five or six players. The Rangers aren't going to – no one can really do it because of the cap. Uh, let's go to the phones here. Matt is in Portland uh, with an interesting name. Go ahead, right. Matt. Matt, hello. Hi, how are you? Hi, Matt. Go ahead. Hey. So All right, so Matt's not ready to go. He's asking about Lucic, who the Bruins aren't going to bring back. No. But do the Bruins need a player of that style? Like, is that is that something they need? A player with, you know – some edge do they need that it can't hurt but you we all watch the nhl games now there's not as much edge as there ever as there was prior it's just different i i love the fact that brazos come up and played well and moved well because you size still is important i think you see the different like the length in guys i i really noticed him as a six foot five guy compared to an Oscar Steen who's 5'10", 5'11". Like, it looks different out on the ice to me. I don't need him to be an absolute bruiser. I don't need him to be Milan Lucic tough. I just need him to be kind of hard to get around. Just be difficult in front of the net. Uh, so you can add some more sandpaper. I think on the back end, same thing. You need to add some length. I think it doesn't have to be the nastiest guy in the world, but if you get a little bit longer and a little bit harder to go around, that's always beneficial. So I know... Everybody wants toughness. Everybody wants toughness. And it, the fans, the teams, um, the players, it's just not that easy. They don't just grow all over trees because that's not the way of the the mindset anymore. So when you have a guy like Tom Wilson, you're not just giving him up. And so, so yes, it would be nice if they can find a way to do it, but there's 30 other, well, 15 other teams in the same market. And that's what makes it difficult to get those guys now too. Uh Razor, I appreciate you taking the time. Thanks for having uh, me. Hanging out. I know you got a uh, you got a busy day, and it was a late night last night, so we appreciate it. it. Uh, keep your phone on, just yep. in case uh, you know Allmark does get dealt. All of the apologies pouring in from from Canada. I have the, to be the plus, first. The plus one country code or whatever. Yeah. Just all, all of those pouring in on your phone. Just forward those to me if you don't mind. I will definitely. You'll, yes, you will get every single one of those messages, and I will be on the message board sending them to you as well. <laughs> nice. Okay, uh, Razor. We appreciate the time. We'll talk to you down the line. Awesome. Thank you. All right, Andrew Raycroft joining us here. No Arcand all week, which means you have trending here from Ryan Garvin. When we come back, I think we're getting the Patriots free agency plan coming into focus. That's right after trending next. This is Jones and Mego on WEI. On WEI. Uh, we're going to aggressively try to help the team. Uh, take that however you want it, but we will, we will try to do what's right, whether that means spending or saving. We'll TBD. That's Elliot Wolf. On the Patriots and their free agent plans, as Elliot Wolf told us earlier today, final call is his. I don't totally know that I believe him when it comes to personnel, but I'm intrigued that he answered it, and that means we can pick it apart. He, he stood up there and talked for 15, 16 minutes. He met with the local media after that and had a few interesting comments uh, with the local media that he didn't do in his big stand-up press conference. That would include confirming they're going to meet with all three of the big quarterbacks in this draft, Jaden Daniels, Drake May, and Caleb Williams at the Combine. Uh, that would also include a dig at Bill Belichick that he made. 
uh, saying there's more of an open and less of a hard-ass vibe in the building. Oh, boy. Is what he said. More of an open, less of a hard-ass. Okay. Correct. An open-ass uh, okay. is what it's, is it's going to be. Uh, so Sure, whatever. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so when it comes to the Patriots, it's just, he's just the latest in a long line of people who can't resist taking a shot at Bill Belichick. But what caught my ear about that answer, and you can jump in on our big question of the day, what the Patriots are doing at three. Sounds like they're locked in on a quarterback. They should be. I love it. Mego loves it. A lot of you say it depends on the quarterback. Some of you hate the plan. Uh, so you can vote. Add Jones and Mego. You can dial us up. 617-779-7937. I just found it interesting there when he's talking about the free agency plan. He said, we're going to do what's right, whether that means spending or saving TBD. So that's not exactly we're going to burn some cash, right? Like no, that, that just not. caught my ear. I'm like, what do you mean saving? We're going to save? What do you mean TBD? Yeah, what exactly. What do you mean TBD? I thought we were burning cash. What does TBD boring. mean? Yeah, exactly. That is boring. I'm with you. And so, look, I, maybe he's just trying to cover all his bases and he doesn't want a full throttle burn some cash comment that can be thrown back in his face. Like maybe he's just smarter than that. Especially by that, other players' agents. Maybe, but like. Say I don't want to hear saving. And to your point, Mego, I don't want to hear TBD. You should have no. a plan. D. That's what I want to hear. That it's already D. Come on. Not TBD. D. It should be D. This is open, not hard ass. <laughs> this is the new Patriots era. Can I give you some bad news in free agency? Uh, No. Okay. Yeah, fine. Some of these receivers are getting snapped up. They really are. Okay, we so should have seen this coming. T. Higgins has been tagged. Right. Could be a tag and trade potential, though. Uh, correct. Could be a tag and could, trade potential. Could still happen. Could. I don't feel great about that, uh, but it could. Uh, the Vikings came out today and said they're absolutely not trading Justin Jefferson. Didn't think that was going to happen anyway. Uh, we talked about that yesterday. Yeah. I'm with you. I, I didn't believe it Felt was going like to happen either. Dream. But still, okay, one last name off the board. The Raiders said the same about Devontae Adams. He's going to be a Raider. Wasn't even thinking about it. Okay. Hadn't, it's not a name we had brought up before either, but it was starting to make the rounds this morning. They immediately shot that down. And now this latest one from Jenna Lane, who covers the Buccaneers in Tampa Bay. She tweets, the Bucs are actively working towards re-signing five-time Pro Bowl wide receiver Mike Evans, even if it puts a strain on their finances to do so. Quote, we're going to do whatever we can to make sure he's a Buck, GM Jason Light said. Well, that sucks. So I, think, I like him. I think the Jaguars have come out and said they're trying to keep Calvin Ridley. Great. Uh, I haven't read anything on Pittman yet. I haven't really... I think Pittman is one that's going to get tagged. Well, he might. Uh, they haven't tagged him yet, and I, I haven't... Maybe I've missed the news, but I haven't really seen it. So, if all of these top guys are getting signed... Wait, some, who, who is left then? Well, that's what I'm saying. Hollywood Brown. Okay. Not Kendrick, my favorite. Kendrick Bourne. Oh, come on. So, the other name would be Steph Diggs. And I, I've been beating the drum for Steph Diggs for a while. I still feel like that's a name that could shake free via trade and or... A potential cut like things were bad with him in Buffalo all year last year and I would just keep an eye on that one but it seems like a lot of the names are drying up and maybe that's part of the reason why he said yeah we're not burning cash anymore because he knows where the winds are blowing with some of these free agents it doesn't sound like a lot of them at big positions of need wide receiver are going to be available yeah maybe he's worried that if he echoes that burning cash that again it's kind of like the full throttle comment from the red sox exactly. and if they go and get like curtis samuel or someone like that then everybody turns and they go this is burning cash this isn't burning cash this is like singeing cash this is this is tbd i don't i don't like hearing that 
Uh, but I did like a few other things that I heard from Elliot Wolf today. We discussed some of it when it comes to what they're doing at quarterback, when it comes to just him answering questions like a human being, just saying, oh, yeah, here's my title. Oh, yeah, uh, I do have final decision. Like, I, I'm not used to hearing people like that running the Patriots. Like, tend to be, they tend to be more evasive. They tend to not answer questions like that. And so that was refreshing uh, to hear, even if I don't fully believe him. Uh, 617-779-7937, you can jump in on the Patriots. Their free agency plans, how do you pivot? Like, what do you do if all these receivers are gone? And does that change your thought process at the top of the draft? Mego, it doesn't for me. I still want the quarterback, but I can imagine these Marvin Harrison Jr. people saying, well, see, this is why you go get the receiver. Yeah, and I hear that. I still think that if you're weighing the receiver and the quarterback, I think that it is easier. And if you want to throw statistics into it, statistics back it up it's easier to go find a quarterback i mean sorry a wide receiver somewhere else in the draft i know one second or third round but even i'll acknowledge part of my logic with taking the quarterback was free there, agency. there are all these receivers out there in free agency to throw i'm money there at. too i'm there too like i and i still look we don't know for sure that all these guys are gonna get tagged re-signed you know snatched up not moving we don't know it yet it's early days we're just in the franchise tag window right now yeah I still don't like where the news is trending on the wide receiver. Well, you front. never like where the news is trending. I, I, I thought there were going to be a bunch of receivers available. We've talked about these four guys all offseason. But we also Ridley, talked about Higgins, them Pittman, saying. Pittman, Evans, we talked about yeah, all of them. Yeah, Ridley would surprise me. Okay, that one is is a little sideways to me. Okay, but for even what if, we expected. But, like, Higgins, I don't know if we thought that he was going to get tagged because of the Jamar Chase component. But some of these other guys I think we thought were going to get tagged. I feel like you just want Mike Evans. And that's do, what's bumming you out. I do want Mike Evans. But let's say three of them are, are snapped up, and now it's only Calvin Ridley on the market. The Patriots should still get him, but it becomes that much more challenging if every team is in on one clear-cut top guy, especially with so much cap space out there which we found out in the last, uh, I don't know, 72 hours, whatever it's been. Uh, I also want to hear this from Elliot Wolf. You tell me, while we're talking about not a lot of free agent options up there, they've kind of dried up. It seems like they're starting to dry up anyway uh, at the wide receiver position. Tell me if this pitch is going to win you over in free agency. Here's the new free agency pitch from the New England Patriots. You're sitting down. You get these guys in a room uh, at the combine, or you get their agents in the room at the combine, and you say, okay, Come to New England because of X. Here's the pitch from Elliot Wolf. Yeah, I would say our pitch to free agents is, you know, this is a new program and we're we're heading in the right direction. It's a new era. We have leadership with Gerard Mayo that is going to be tremendous. Like he's he's just an unbelievable leader and developer of people. And I think that, you know, as we move forward with the new offense and defense, like it's going to be it's going to be pretty special and exciting here. Okay, it's a new era. It's Gerard a new May- program. Gerard Mayo's a leader. I mean, obviously, they're going to throw a bunch of money at them, but, like, that's Are not... you a terrible person? Well, Gerard Mayo is here for you. <laughs> I just... I, gotta, I just want to win football games. I got to be honest. I don't think that's... Yeah, I don't think that's the pitch that's winning you a lot of free agents. I don't think so. No. I mean, look, if it's me, I would say we took a brief detour at the end because we won here for so long. Things fell apart a little bit at the end. But, at, but crafts want us to be winners. So we're going to get back to winning soon, and we're going to spend to do that, and we're going to be a winning program. And the, look, I mean, I think we felt this all like along. you're going to pay them either way. But if you're trying to sex it up, you don't say we're a new program and we've got a great leader. No, I, I think it makes it sound like it's like a high school team. I think they're going to have to spend anyway to get these guys. So I think we already kind of knew this, but like it tell that answer just tells me how bleak it is. It's like, oh, we we got a new leader. Let's stab Bill again in the back. New leader, new era. 
And uh, oh yeah, by the way, Gerard May, he's just he's great. It's like that's why I'm signing with you. You yeah. you better overpay by a lot. You better overpay. Have you seen our video board? <laughs> that's kind of the level of what they're talking about. Have you ever been? on top uh, and rang the bell on top of a lighthouse. Have you ever done that? A landlocked lighthouse. Yeah, 30 miles from the ocean. It is, you can't do that anywhere else. Okay. But you can see Providence from the top. Okay, that's they they save that. They kind of back pocket that. They're like, okay, well, you can ring the bell and you're way up there and it's landlocked. But and the person they're talking to is like, wait, Providence Street. Yeah, I thought we were near Boston. (laughs) Wait, what? Wait, where is Foxborough? I got there on a bus once, but I wasn't paying attention. Have you ever seen Federal Hill from 15 miles away? (laughs) Uh, 617-779-7937. You can also text us at 37937. Uh, Here we go. Uh, How about Tyler Boyd? No. Feels washed. Gabe Davis stinks. Not a fan. Brandon Ayuk is a possibility. One texter sends in. I- I'm not so sure about that. I- if he is available, I'm interested. We had a clip. I don't think we ever played it on the show, Mego, but I know at one point we were talking about it off the air where he's going into what could be his final year in San Francisco, and he was asked how long he wants to be there, and he kind of gave a, a noncommittal answer. If he's available, great. I just feel like the Niners are the kind of team that's going to do what they can to keep those guys together, and I think they can do that for one more year. Just looking at cap numbers, if you care, I think they can do that for one more year. And so I don't think Ayuk is realistic. There's also this one, Jones. I thought it was easy to find receivers. I think it is easier to find receivers than quarterbacks for sure. I just don't know how many now are going to be available in free agency, which means I might have to shift my philosophy a little bit. It might be a trade. For someone like Stefan Diggs. Or I was thinking yesterday, maybe Justin Jefferson before he got pulled off the market. Now, all right, get your quarterback at three. And at 34, we're locking in on a wide receiver. Now, who is that wide receiver? I don't pretend to know. Maybe Keon Coleman is a receiver that I like. I have him number four in the class. I see him dropping in some of these mock drafts. The two receivers at Texas. People like Lad McConkey from Georgia. So maybe that's now the new path. You need a wide receiver. Quarterback and wide receiver, one, two, three, and 34, and boom. That's your start to the offseason. Maybe that needs to be the the new plan. So I'm not as high on Stefan Diggs as I think you are, but let's talk through if you're going to do a trade like that, how much draft capital are you giving up because you don't have a whole lot else to offer besides money. I bet not much. Well, how much are you personally? Like if you're running that trade, if you're executing that trade, I would give up 34 for Steph Diggs, and they're going to ask for something else. So are I bet you, you go, can, I bet you can get you less because he's going to want a new. Con- I bet he wants a new contract. So like, I, I bet he's not going to cost as much as you think. Would I give up thirty four if that's if that's really what it took to get him? Yes, I would. But I, my guess is he'll be cheaper than that. Yeah, I wonder if he's lost a step too. Uh, he was bad in the second half of last year for sure. Uh, meanwhile, we also have uh, Elliot Wolf talking about a key free agent for the Patriots. This surprised me. I know this should excite Mego and other uh, fans of the offensive line uh, out there. Uh, here's what he had to say about Michael and Wenyu, their key free agent. It, it doesn't impact us. Mike's a core player for us. That that you know, it's no secret we want to try to keep Mike, um, and it'll just be a little bit of a wrinkle dealing with him. Uh, Mike's really smart and he's introspective and he's thoughtful, and he understands. You know, he knows what he wants, which is always good when you're dealing with a player, um, and and he's certainly someone that you know, we we view as a cornerstone for us. Okay, a cornerstone, a key player. The backdrop here, and we never really got to this during yesterday's show. The backdrop is Mike and Wenyu just fired his agents. And so he's not happy with how negotiations are going. And I guess there's two ways to look at that. You know, number one, 
His agents were telling him to go to market. He wants to stay in New England, and there's a discrepancy there. I could see that. I'm not telling you that's not the case. Uh, That's option number one. Option number two would be, hey, I'm about to hit free agency. Florio wrote about this. I think there needs to be a five-day lag time or something like that between firing your agent and hiring a new agent. And so if I'm not happy with what I'm hearing, I need to make this move now so that I can be properly represented to go into that legal tampering window and have new agents to break the bank for me. Uh, How do you read that? Do you think it's a good thing or a bad thing in terms of his return to New England that he's firing his agent? I think it's probably a bad thing because if I'm believing what Woofie is saying there, which is that he's a core player and that they're going to do everything in their power, like move heaven and earth to keep Mike and Wenyu here, then it would indicate that any talks that they've had with his agents in this period so far have not been productive. And that would indicate to me that the Patriots are not moving heaven and earth to keep Mike and Wenyu here and that anything is possible in terms of him going elsewhere and with the tackle market and free agency that we're just looking at, at least from a surface perspective, I think Michael Wenyu can get a lot on the open market. Yeah. So let me just say this. And as somebody who, I should say that, as somebody who wants Michael Wenyu back here at right tackle, and so I, I'm i not as optimistic about it, why even you, though he's saying glowing words. Why are you convinced he's a tackle? I'm not. I think he can play tackle, and that's more. He can play tackle at the NFL level, which is more than I can say for tackles in the draft right now when you're also going to be drafting a left tackle. Okay. Most I mean, likely. I, look, I guarantee you the guys they're talking about drafting, even in the second round, are better left tackles than when you. Oh, no, I don't want him to play left. No, I'm no. saying he's, he'd play right. But I'm saying uh, we don't even know that he's a right. We don't even know that he's a right tackle. Well, he's played it. He has, but he's also played more guard in his right. career. He's and a pa- natural guard. The for Patriots sure. have been reticent and hesitant to play him at right tackle. And so to me, it's like, oh, Tyron Smith, Jonah Williams. Like, I don't I don't even pretend to know how to rate all these guys, but I, I do love and think it's rich to hear from Patriots fans. I'm not necessarily lumping you in with this. Okay, good, because I'm not a Patriots fan. But it's like, I, I love hearing this from Patriots fans. It's like, oh, well, he's the best tackle out there. I'm not saying that either. He might not I'm even be a saying, tackle. I think that he works for you. And it's annoying to me that you didn't Doesn't get it you done won, last year. You won year. four games last year, and you won eight games the year before that. And it's like, I don't know. I didn't feel like Well, you, he was also injured in the first stretch of the year, okay. which I know you want to count against him, and I understand yeah, I that, that logic. A, I don't know that that's a good piece But I also think that that, that was an issue with their offensive line at the beginning of the year. That yeah. he wasn't able to be out there. I don't know that I would champion him being hurt as a reason to pay him. But you also surrounded him with the worst offensive lineman that you could find. There's a difference between going out and paying top dollar for a Jonah Williams versus waiting until the last minute, not valuing a position that that you are already lacking at and going, oh, well, let's just go get Vidarian Lowe, Tyron Wheatley Jr., Calvin Anderson, and and Riley Reef. Like, yeah. There's a middle ground that I don't understand why previous iterations of this football team have never bothered to well, explore. Well, let me put like, it this way. Let's lift okay. the barrel and scrape the crap underneath it. I'm not going to sit here and say Mike Unwenu is the best tackle. I think that yeah, he's he going to be not He might not worst. even be well, a tackle. Hold on. I think he's going to be highly desirable on the open market. And it annoys me that you have somebody who I think you know mostly works for you, and instead you might just go out and try to patch together a bunch of different stuff. And it annoys me that you didn't get this done at this, you know, last year when you could have gotten it done, whatever reason that that is. That to me is fair. That really irritates me. And now I'm looking at it going, you let everybody walk out the door. Like, can you just hold on to one guy who will probably work for you for right now, even if it's franchise tag? Okay, so overpay him for a year, franchise tag him. Maybe you find out he's more of a guard and it's not worth it. Then move on. 
See, we're in a new era, though. Yeah, I just that's act. that that's old era Patriot stuff. I can't. Elliot Wolf can't go in front of media and go, "We're in a new era." You're pitching for agency. And I'm not going to sit here and pretend era, like right tackle is going to make or break what your offense is doing next year. That's why I'm like, just sign him, get it done. Yeah, I just your the most valid point to me is. Why are you at this? If you really want to keep him, why are you at this point? Yeah, but we're already past that. You're no, at this point. I understand. But how did you let it get to this point? And I think how they got here is it tells you the lack of belief in what he really is and what he wants. Maybe he wants to be a tackle and they don't feel he's a tackle. Or maybe he wants X amount of money and they don't feel that he's worth it. And I think that's why you're here. And this is why I would have traded him at the trade deadline. And I would have traded Duggar at the trade deadline and Uche and all these other guys. I would have traded everything that wasn't nailed down. Because now you're on the cusp of losing them for nothing. And if you really wanted them, you should have been more proactive. Because all it's done is drive that number through the roof with the salary cap going up and other bidders in free agency. If you didn't want to pay them then, why are you going to pay them now? And I don't think any of these guys are difference makers. You know, I I, I saw a top 100 free agent list from uh, Pro Football Talk today. I think it was Shereen Williams put it together for Pro Football Talk. He was 17. And it's like... I don't know. I, I don't feel like that's anything special. I've seen him 25 on other free agent lists from ESPN. I don't feel like that's a guy I need to be paying $20 million to on the franchise tag. I don't want to do that, especially when I don't even know he can play tackle. And if he does play tackle, it's right tackle, which I feel like is not as important. 617-779-7937. You can jump in on that. You can also jump in on our big question of the day. We asked it to Razor earlier. Ra- Razor doesn't want a quarterback, which I found interesting. Uh, it sounds like the Patriots are leaning towards a quarterback at number three. How do you feel about it? Most people, Mego, most, and you think this is a cop-out, are saying it depends on the quarterback. 46% compared to 44% of us who love it. You and I both love it. 46% say it depends on the quarterback. You have a problem with that. Why? Because I do think it's a cop-out. It's a way of going any to any time that they take a quarterback and the quarterback doesn't pan out and you get to see another quarterback who does pan out, then you get to go, ooh, well, actually, I thought that they should have traded everything and every draft capital to go get Caleb Williams because it turns out he's the second coming of Patrick Mahomes. Like, I, I just think that it's an easy out. I, I, you got to be on one side or the other here about do you want a quarterback with that number three pick because that's really dis- the decision that they're having to make. It's either... You're trading down, you're hoarding picks for the coming years. Uh, maybe you're going with somebody like a Bo Nix. I don't know where Bo Nix and J.J. McCarthy will be at that point in the draft if it's even gonna if you're going to fall to a position where you can get those guys. Like, just admit that you're either going for one of these top three guys at the number three pick or you're going to sacrifice all of that upside possibility. So I think I know your answer is to this, but I, I want to ask it anyway. Why is it wrong for somebody to say, well, I only like one quarterback, and so I'm not locked in on a quarterback at three? Why is that wrong for somebody to say? I don't think it's say? wrong. I just think I don't believe a lot of people who say that. Like, if you say that, because I'm What if you just to... like Caleb Williams and you don't like Drake May and you don't like Jaden Daniels? That's, that's different than you and I. Yeah. I happen to like all three quarterbacks, but I, if somebody I doesn't. I'm thinking, I'm thinking more of, of like an Arcand who, for some reason, has fallen in love with Bo Nix. Well, that's and hated. doesn't like any of these other quarterbacks. That to me is hated. If you're saying it depends on the quarterback, then I, I need to see who's available at three before I say, great, you're locked in on a quarterback. I think that's a defensible answer. But what you said earlier that I do agree with, all right, fine. So you only like Caleb Williams. Well, then trade to go up there and take him. Or you only like Drake May. Trade to go up there and take him. Like To me, that is a fair counter to that. It's just what's that going to cost and to what end? So I'm trying to put myself in this scenario, which I don't think is going to happen, but I think is worthwhile for this exercise, which is if Drake May was going number one 
And it turned out, you know, a week before the draft that Drake May is shooting up. Everybody's projecting him at number one, not Caleb Williams anymore. Something comes out with Caleb Williams or something that really changes the structure there. Am I sitting there and going trade next year's first round pick, trade 34 to go get Drake May? I don't know. Like, that's where I start to lose my conviction in that guy a little bit because part of the reason that I like the scenario of being at three is that you can get either Jaden Daniels or Drake May, who I like better than Caleb Williams, and you can still put enough around them almost immediately. I see you squirming back there. What are you squirming about? I just think that if you have an opportunity to to take one of the top three quarterbacks in this draft, I don't know why there would be any hesitation at this point. Because if you take a quarterback and he's bare minimum serviceable, then you got a guy that you can not necessarily build around, but you can invest in your team without paying a premium for a quarterback. You know, if we lived in some bizarro world where Mac Jones worked out and and didn't completely fall off a cliff like he had the better part of last year and the year before, you're talking fifth-year option. You're talking investing a lot of money. You're talking about second contract, maybe. Whereas you have all this money right now, you get to reset the 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 stopwatch basically you draft a quarterback right now and you have four years to figure out if this guy is going to work while not actually having to pay him and going and and paying the other positions of need that's the opportunity that you have right now and if you punt on that you trade down you've just made it that much harder for yourself or if you decide you're not going to go get a quarterback this is what i keep saying Uh, quarterback you have to hit it and this is why i'm okay with people saying well no i don't think all three quarterbacks are good what's the likelihood all three quarterbacks in this draft are going to be good i don't know what's the likelihood all three of them are bad higher like even i, all, I don't believe even that. even i'll acknowledge that it's more likely okay. that they whiff on that all three suck than all three are awesome let me rephrase like that's that. more likely what is the likelihood all three quarterbacks are bad than what the Patriots have gone through the last three years <laughs> well that, okay well that's that's a different question all right they you, should be able to do better than mac jones in their sleep you, you, it, there's a difference between like, all right, we're we're getting a guy and we're going to be a Super Bowl contender in three years versus we can be in the hunt. You can be one of those eight win, seven win teams yeah, maybe. If, if you just build up around the guy that you take right now, don't f him up like you did with the last quarterback. Right. Like and you had a. This is a great learning opportunity on how to build your program. The new era. That's the thing I'm locked in with Elliot Wolf. And if it's truly a new era. You can start it right now instead of hemming and hawing. The, the one thing I really don't like uh, as far as the, the narrative is, oh, if you don't love the guy, don't take him. You don't love him? You have to fall in love with the guy? Or yes. can he just be yes. serviceable? No, can no, he no. Just no. Be good? That's no. where you get into yeah, really that's ridiculous. That, no, no, that's, that's not ridiculous. That, that is like that's, the high and blue school that's, of that, building a team is don't do Mego, anything. you're right. Don't do anything. No, Mego's right. That's, that, they, that's what you did last I, time. I don't think they love Mac Jones. I don't think they love But Mac you Jones. said an hour ago, Jones, there's a difference between 15 and 3. Yeah, that right. is the That is the chance you have right now. Yeah, but I don't think they loved Mac Jones. If they loved Mac Jones and they saw him dropping and they thought he could go 3, they would have swooped up the board to go take so him. So you kick the can down the road for another year? No. If, if you don't like the quarterbacks, I'm not telling you you have to take them. I like them. I like these quarterbacks. But if they don't... And who knows how they feel about them? I'm just telling you, I like them. I want them to take them. I but guess if, I would just ask, what if, are you looking for then? What are you looking for? I don't know. I don't it can't know. Be, it cannot be worse than it has been. Start there. Okay. Instead of hemming and hawing. But Ryan, I you're s- just going to be right back here Ryan, in, in si- four can. years. I could sign Joe Flacco and it would be better than it was last year. Like, you know what I mean? Like, they're, like if Good. That's a start. Right. That's you, a start. But I'm just saying, if, if your goal is to just be better than last year at quarterback, I can do that without using the third pick. Like, there's a lot of ways to do that to me.
I want to use the third pick, but there's a lot of ways to use do that. the third pick. Six. I, I, I don't love him, therefore I'm not going to take him. Uh, that is so dumb. No, that is so dumb. It's dumb to take him if you don't love him. Six one seven seven seven. Do you like him? Can I like a quarterback and take him? Are you gonna love him? I gotta yep. get down on and propose. Yes. It's ridiculous. Yes. Kind of. Yeah, yes. if you've got the number three pick. That's ridiculous. 617-779-7937. We'll get to your feedback here coming up. we got some Celtics thoughts as well. Uh, guess who doesn't believe in the Celtics? No, not me. Perk doesn't believe in the Celtics. Let's do it next. You're listening to Jones and Mako on WEEI. Number three is a man who says he wants the title, and that's Jason Tatum. Right now, he's... He's the best player on what might be the best team, certainly right up there. And he's got the game, and he's got the charisma, and he's got everything going for him, I think, except for the big wins. He needs to be the best player in the NBA Finals, and I think he stakes a legitimate claim to being an MVP and to being the face of the league. As Mike Greenberg the other day on Get Up had Tatum number three, in terms of the future face of the league, I get Luka Doncic and Nikola Jokic ahead of no, Jason Giannis. Since we're oh, yeah, Giannis ahead of him? Giannis. So, so Giannis and Jokic? Uh, no, Luka. Giannis, Luka. Giannis, Luka, Tatum, John Morant, Victor Wembanyama. Wow, so no Jokic. No Jokic. Huh, interesting. We're about to get to Perk, so that's... That's Greenberg. That's not Stooney Greenberg. No, 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 no. That's uh, that's Just Mike Greenberg. Sure. Not All to the be different confused. greenies. Not, not to be confused Stoney with other Greenberg or whatever. Just want to make sure. You nailed it, Perk. That's absolutely what it is. I do. I do find it interesting that you can talk about, and we've talked about this, Mego, in the past, and Tatum has kind of vented about this. We talk about all the struggles that Tatum has had in, like, the finals or whatever, even last year against the Heat. He's had issues in playoff series with turnovers and, and disappearing and going in and out. And he's injuries. Had some, yeah, he's had some great games, too. Well, injuries. Well, he had the ankle in Game 7 of eh. Eastern Conference Finals last year. Eh. So, to me, it's just he played the whole game. To me, Perk. he's, well, I look at it and I say, yeah, he's had some big games, too. He had a big game against Milwaukee. He had a big game against Philadelphia a year ago, big game uh, against Milwaukee a few years back. So... He deserves some credit for that. And then just to put guys like Luca ahead of him is wild to me because Luca hasn't accomplished on a team level anything near what Tatum has. Now, he hasn't had the same team around him. I guess you can chase your tail on that one a bit. Uh, but that's the discussion about Tatum emerging as the face of the NBA. And people have hashed that out over the last week plus, really going back to the All-Star game. On the Celtics and, well, their championship aspirations, I, I certainly feel like they're the best team in the league. Some of the teams out west I have my eyeball on, especially because the Celtics have lost to them. No one in the east uh, should the Celtics lose to. Miami scares me the most in the east, but no one in the east do I look at and go, wow, the Celtics shouldn't beat that team. Here's Kendrick Perkins, who uh, I guess it's safe to say feels a little bit differently. He's on first take yesterday. We've seen this movie before. The Celtics are not judged on regular season. Jason Tatum is not judged on regular season. We haven't even seen Chris... Uh, uh, Christophe Przingis in a playoff meaningful game. I don't know what he's going to do in the series, but I do know what the Denver Nuggets are going to do. I do know what Jokic and Jamal Murray is going to do. I also know what Kawhi Leonard Jordan is capable of doing with the Los Angeles Where Clippers. Last time he who, did by that. the way, just about a, but, but just, and by the way, just about a month ago, went down to Boston and stomped them out. 
Went down to Boston and stomped them out. He stomped them out. The Clippers stomped them out. <laughs> so I guess they stomped them out is what they did, Mego. Um, uh, the thing that I find in there of value, besides just the the stomping out over and over again, he makes a good point to me about Porzingis. Like, do we have any idea what Porzingis is going to be in the playoffs? And that's that's just going to be such a different animal. We, we really no don't. We really don't. Not in a meaningful playoffs. Not when you're actually on a run going back to the finals, which is what we all expect the Celtics to do. Kind of bare minimum. That's the bar that they have to cross. They have to be in the finals because I agree with you, Jones. All the threats are out west. All the threats are out west. I'm not worried about anyone in the east. I may look a little sideways to Miami if they start making a little ways through the playoffs, but they turn into a different team in the postseason anyway, so it's kind of hard to judge right now. But it's all to say I, I kind of disagree with what Perk is saying from the jump there, though, when he says he knows what all these other teams are going to do. Like, yeah, okay, I agree. We don't know who Kristaps Porzingis is going to be in a Game 7 of an Eastern Conference Finals. Right, what's or Paul game George six. ever done? Like, I have a we, good idea of what James Harden is going to do in the playoffs. Okay, but like a lot of Perk. these other teams, I don't think that we can sit there and assume that they're going to get there. I don't think you can sit there and assume that the Nuggets are going to be back in the West because the West is a much more challenging place okay, than the but, East is right now. But his now. point is, if you get the yeah. Nuggets in the finals, they've been through all yeah, that, then and you've you got know a what lot to, to deal with. Okay, that to me, that's the challenge. I get that, but I, I, I don't, I still don't think like. I just don't – I wouldn't sit there and say, like, I know exactly who Paul George is no. going to be in the playoffs. No, no, no. Kawhi, yes. Paul George, no. Uh, Kevin is in the truck on our Patriots discussion. Go ahead, Kevin. Hey, guys. I'm just talking about uh, first round, if you remember, RG3 and Kirk Cousins get drafted in the same year. You remember Hell that, yeah, I, remember I would it. say – you remember Hell that? yeah. yeah. You like I'm that? I'm talking about the number three pick. You like if that. If they don't like the quarterback and if he's a doofus, right – Okay. Let the highest bidder take them, trade down, get a good couple players, and then go get two quarterbacks in rounds two and four. Okay. Move back, take two. This sounds like Arcan calling in from vacation is what that sounds like. Like, move back, take Penix, Knicks, Spencer Rattler, because now J.J. McCarthy is zooming up draft boards, it sounds like. Could go in the top ten. Certainly sounds like he's going to go in the first round. And then take another quarterback late. I, I don't hate the idea of drafting two. I just, I draft one in the first round and take a flyer on a guy on day three as well. Like that doesn't, that doesn't scare me. That's what that's in his analogy. That's what the commanders did or the Washington football team did. Wouldn't you have gotten more out of it? Look, I loved RG three that year and it was like a pretty magical regular season, the second half, but wouldn't you have gotten more out of it if you had used that draft capital elsewhere and just taking Kirk cousins? Like, I don't know that I would argue that you take two quarterbacks and that that's a, that I'd point to that as a success. They kind of got lucky that the second quarterback that they took was Kirk Cousins. No, right. They absolutely got lucky, but they they covered themselves. They said, hey, we like this other kid. We really like RG3. They took him two in that draft, two or three. Where'd they take him? Two? I think it was two. And so they said, but we also like Cousins, and the value's high, and we're going to take him. And so I have no problem with the Patriots doing that. You need a quarterback. So, you know, sprinkle some seeds around. Try to hit on a quarterback. Well, I know what you want. You want uh, five quarterbacks all living in a house. We've yeah, talked about this before. This I do. is the ne next Netflix special when people stop being polite and start being real. What do we call it? It was not under center. Uh, was it? I think it might have been. No, it was something with pass in it. I don't. The text line came up with it. I don't. If I don't you recall. came up with the name for our reality show, the boys going out in Foxborough and Dedham, let us know. Okay. Do you ever get told you look like a celebrity? Yeah. Hello. <laughs> 
So to me, look, I wanted them to draft a quarterback last year. So I absolutely want them to draft a quarterback this year. Uh, 617-779-7937. More of your phone calls coming up. Uh, you can jump in here on Jones and Mego. No Arcan today. We have triple play less than an hour from now at 445. And on the way next, let's get back to Elliot Wolf. His comments about the draft. It sounds like the Patriots are leading quarterback at three. How do you feel about it? As a Patriots fan, we'll get to it next. Uh, it's going to be a collaborative effort, Coach Mayo, myself, Macro, the whole staff. Um, at the end of the day, somebody has to has to make that pick, and, and that'll be myself. And that'll be myself. Something about that reminds me of Austin Powers. Like, allow me to reintroduce myself. <laughs> I would say it was uh, not delivered with the same flair, but yes, very uh, Austin Powers of Elliot Wolf earlier today. Uh, if you're not familiar with that voice, because we never heard from him before, we really got to hear from him for the first time. And I, I like that he answered questions. I mean, just plain and simple, matter of fact. We were joking yesterday, is he going to sound like Matt Grow, where he just sounds like an oversized child who's like not ready for primetime he's not ready to handle the media like Elliot Wolf felt like he was pretty ready to handle questions he answered questions confidently I'm not telling you I believe everything he said I I don't believe he's breaking ties and it's totally up to him and he could do whatever he wants at three I don't believe that allow myself to introduce myself myself so nice I just I don't believe him but at least he answered questions and now we can pick it apart as opposed to well, I'm up there and I'm going to grunt into a microphone or I'm going to blow off media availability entirely. I like that he answered these questions today. And when he was asked plain and simple about his title, I, I, how many times did Bill Belichick say titles don't matter? And like, oh, it's overrated. He was asked today about his title. He said director of scouting. Boom. Done. Plain, simple. Question over. It was the very first question I think he answered. I, it was right. It was the first question directly like, after his opening this statement. and see what it does. Ooh, he, it answered a question, honestly. He, yeah, he made his opening statement. First question, what's your title? Director of Scouting. Which, by the way, tells me right there, you don't get to make all the calls. Being the Director of Scouting, That t- you're not. your title's not General Manager. Your title is not, you know, uh, Personnel Guru. Not that that would be your official title. But, like... You're the director of scouting. It does sound a little low level for how much he has his tentacles across the organization already with his relationships. So I just think it's bullcrap that, oh, I break all the ties. It's up to me. It's me, Wait, Macro, so why Gerard is he Mayo. saying that then? Why would he say that? Because and put ownership his name doesn't on want to look like they meddle, Mego, because ownership says, yeah, tell him you run the show. But everybody really knows he runs the show. But that, if he says that he's, what's he the, gonna tie, say? It's he's Robert? the tiebreaker at three and the number three pick is a joke, then his head's going to roll no matter what. And everybody publicly is going to say, yeah, he's the one who signed off on blank. Publicly fine. But either way, his head's going to roll. If they whiff on this. Well, publicly, like your reputation in the NFL is something to put out there. I think you're not giving credit to Woofy and he deserves it. No, this is why the Crafts don't want to be seen as meddlers. Because they don't want to get saddled with the number three pick. They have a fall guy. They have somebody else to get saddled. Trust me. Well, then they shouldn't have written it in the letter to the season ticket holders that, remember when we drafted Drew Bledsoe? Good times. They're coming back around again. But that's different than saying I'm in charge of the pick. Like, that's a hint. That's not saying I'm in charge of the pick. He didn't say. He said at the end of the day, somebody's got to make the call. And that will be, allow myself to introduce myself. In as many words, he says he's in charge. 
And I just don't, I don't believe it. But at least he's answering questions and he looks like an adult. Like he, he just, he talks like an adult. I shouldn't say he looks like an adult. He actually kind of looks like a kid too, but he talks like an adult. And that'll be myself. <laughs> my name is Richie Cunningham and this is my wife, Oprah. <laughs> so like to me, I found that to be refreshing. He's up there. He's answering questions, but like. That just tells you how low the bar is. We're like, oh my god, it answers questions, like Ryan said. <laughs> That's, I, 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 guys, when it when it comes to the New England Patriots going forward, you could trip on the bar that I have set for but, them. That's why I don't care if you love a quarterback. Take one. I don't. I don't sound like Bill Belichick. Just, just little okay. tiny tweaks. That's all I want. But here's want. the difference between him and Gerard Mayo. Like Gerard Mayo, I think we were all like, wow, look at personality and answering questions. I feel like with Wolf, we got some actual substance today, which I'm surprised at. Yes. I was looking forward to this. So can we give me a victory lap again? Uh, well, we gave you one earlier, but I'll do it again. Yeah, yes, Mego, do it again. Mego, he, he answered more questions than I thought. And it doesn't mean I believe everything that he said, but he answered questions and there was more value and to Elliot Wolf them than I expected. In a direction that I wanted, which makes it sound like they're going to go with one of these quarterbacks at three. Are you wondering why I'm using a prop right now? No. Oh, that's your Gerard no, Mayo I, I prop? Don't. I didn't realize that. You're no, right. I just like having a prop. Got I'm it. waving a wiffle ball bat around. A what? This is a This is a wiffle ball bat, right? A what? A wiffle ball bat. A wiffle ball bat. Thank you. Uh, third try was a charm there. A wiffle, I, a wiffle a ball wiffle. A, a wiffle? wiffle ball. It's not a wiffle ball. This is actually more of, though, this is not a classic wiffle ball bat where it's got, you know, like um, the stripes on it. This is more, this is for drinking. This is a dizzy is bat. That, is, is that why is. the bottom's uh, taken I off of I think it is. Yeah. I don't know the origin story of this bat, but I would bet a lot, I would wager, that this was originally a dizzy bat. Maybe. And I used to be really good at that game. I I doubt it. And you call so, it what? <laughs> so when it comes to, uh, it, that looks like Deron Harmon's Snapple bottle is what that looks like. Like That's something you want to like store stuff in is what that looks like to me. Uh, but there you go. Uh, there, the, it, Mego deserves a victory lap on this because I didn't think he would say much. And, like, for instance, what did he tell us about quarterbacks? I found this exchange to be telling. This is what Mego's talking about. The class in general and some of the uh, – or, I'm sorry, uh, who was going to have final say we played for you? I do want to hear uh, what they're going to do at the first-round pick, number three, and also – his view on sitting a quarterback and letting them develop, I like that too. Yeah, I think uh, when you look throughout the league, that's a good question. I think when you look throughout the league, most of the quarterbacks are first-rounders. Um, I think there's exceptions to be had, like you know Dak Prescott, Brock Purdy, and Tom Brady. Um, but I think just the, the league-wide understanding of how important that position is and how important it is to have somebody there that can help you you know, win games and get over the hump has, has changed league-wide. Why do I think the Packers keeping the quarterback right? Luck. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I, I think uh, I think the scouting process that you know that I grew up with that Brian Gutekunst continues to to em- employ is has been really good, and you know they've been able, fortunate enough to to you know sit sit Rogers and sit Love for a year that and that that's been able to help them. I wouldn't say that that applies to every quarterback, but it certainly helps them. Okay, so. I like that second answer. I know you really like the first answer. Yeah. And so to me, that was a self-serving answer for both of us. But what what, what did you like about the first part there, Mego? Luck. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, I keep hearing from people, okay, you can go, but it's this general approach that you can just get a quarterback from anywhere. Mm-hmm. Like you can get a quarterback in the fourth round. You can get a quarterback in the second round. You can wait until the very end of the draft and get a quarterback there. Hey, why don't you go Kurt Warner style? You get a quarterback that, that's undrafted. Like, I'm telling you that that is such the minimum 
amount of quarterbacks in the league. Like that is such the exception to the rule. Yeah, and you've and done these. You've done this math I've before. I've done these stats. Yeah. When you're yeah. looking at the the last five years of the NFL, most of the starters are found in the first round. And I happen to really like this class, and I think that you're passing on a major opportunity, and it would present to me. I would take away from it, okay, like, these guys don't want to risk their jobs. These guys are more concerned with where they're going to be over the next three years than actually trying to improve this roster and actually trying to take a player that's going to change the trajectory of your franchise over the next couple years. Like, they're going to go the safe route. And so for him to go out there and say that, and he didn't say they were definitely going to take a quarterback, but... I thought that he showed his hand. Oh, definitely. I I definitely think he showed his hand. I agree with you on that. Uh, Most quarterbacks, you find him in the first round. Okay, so they're taking a quarterback in the first round. That's combined with what Gerard Mayo said to Steve Burton. We're going to take a guy at the highest uh, position of impact or whatever he said to Burton uh, weeks and and maybe months ago. Uh, Mego referenced the letter to season ticket holders from the Crafts. I think the clues are there. They're taking a quarterback, which I'm happy with. Should the quarterback play day one, Mego? Doesn't have to. Depends. This is where I'd answer depends on the quarterback. Like, I'm not as against the quarterback sitting as you are. If they feel like the quarterback's going to benefit from sitting a year, then maybe that's the best way to do it. If it's somebody like Drake May, I want Drake May playing. Like, Drake May has played a ton. What about Caleb Williams? Caleb Williams I would want playing, too. So not Jaden Daniels. Not Jaden Daniels. Even though Jaden Daniels is on the older side, like, I, I do think that he has more maturation in his game that he has to unlock. Yeah, I mean, look, to me, I I feel strongly about this. If the kid can play, he can play. Like, Mac Jones wasn't ruined because you played him as a rookie. Like, I feel like people are now doing that, like, oh, you threw Mac to the Wolves his rookie year. Mac Jones wasn't ruined because he played as a rookie. No, it's the best thing that happened to him. Yeah, and, like, look, I I think by the end of his rookie year, the league started to catch up to him a little bit. But I don't think that's because they threw him to the Wolves or played him too early. I just think he was never that good. And so... I don't think playing a quarterback their rookie year is going to ruin them. They can look really bad like Josh Allen and overcome it. Or they can play every single game as a rookie like C.J. Stroud. Like, I'll go back and forth with you all day on your Aaron Rodgers and your Patrick Mahomes and your Jordan Loves. Like, I'll do that all day long because I have a million counterpoints. And that's why I liked the example from Elliot Wolf. He sits there and says, well, yeah, I mean, it worked for Green Bay, but not every situation. He's not backing himself into sitting the quarterback for a year. And I'm happy to hear that because – I don't think – if you're telling me they're sitting the quarterback, let's say it's Jaden Daniels, your plan. Jaden Daniels is at three, and the plan is to sit him for a year. Well, now, if if I'm armed with that information, I'm a little more open to the Marvin Harrison Jr. approach or the Malik Neighbors approach. Because you can't wait one year or because you think it indicates that they're not as confident in him? Well, just there's more merit to saying, well, what the hell, let's look at the quarterback class next year. Like, to me, I I don't need the quarterback to sit. If the quarterback's sitting – that makes me skeptical that he's not ready right now. That's because you don't seem to think it's likely that he can sit a year and be a better quarterback after Correct. sitting a year than the guys that will come through next year. Correct. And I just think that everybody's a little different. Like, my guess, Patrick Mahomes would have been just as good if he played day one. Would have been just as good, and the Chiefs might have cost himself a Super Bowl in the meantime. I think that the couple of weeks that Justin Herbert got to sit really changed my guess, everything My guess him. is Aaron Rodgers could have played way sooner. And the Packers were idiots for sitting him as long as they did. That's my guess. So yeah, they gave him all this time to research on the internet. If you're telling me, right, what what damage that did long term. <laughs> so if you're telling me that the Patriots are definitely sitting their quarterback, I'm less into taking a quarterback if that guy's going to sit for a year. But I like what I heard out of Elliott Wolf. They sound locked in on a quarterback, and it sounds like he's open to playing him day one. Good. Good. Get on the Jones plan. I'm on board with this.
617-779-7937. It does sound cultish, along with Team Feet. There's no doubt about that. You can also Jones plan. You can also vote in our big question of the day. Still up at Jones and Mego. It sounds like the Patriots are leaning in on a quarterback. How do you feel about it? Do you love it like Mego and I do? Does it depend on the quarterback? And if it depends, explain it. What quarterback do you want at three? What quarterback wouldn't you want at three? I need you to explain that one. Or do you hate it like Razor when he was in studio earlier? You can sound off on that. 617-779-7937. Ryan with all the latest in trending. And when we come back, we'll play a little bit more from Elliot Wolf along with your phone calls. Uh, a few more hints, I think, on the Patriots, this quarterback class, and who they could be looking at. Oh, and Rob Bradford joins us at 430. We'll talk some socks with him. That's all next. Remember, you can listen to WEEI on your smart speaker. Just say, play 93.7 WEEI. Now, more of Jones and Mego on WEEI. I think it's a really good year for quarterbacks. Um, it's a really good year at a lot of positions. Uh, like any position, we're going we're gonna to evaluate their strengths and weaknesses, determine who fits for us. We're pretty early in the process here. Like, I haven't met any of these guys. Gerard hasn't met any of these guys. So, you know, as we continue through the process here, we'll, we'll determine... Um, what's best for the team and you know one thing uh, about the quarterbacks in this draft specifically that that I'm excited about is they're they all look like they're really tough guys which you know is obviously great at any position but the quarterback position especially the Patriots and this means Alex Van Pelt and now Elliot Wolf who were together in both Green Bay and Cleveland that was Elliot Wolf you just heard from there we've heard from Alex Van Pelt in the past my Wolfie. They keep getting your wiffle ball. That's weird, right? It's weird. Yes. I'm just embracing it. They keep, anytime they're asked about quarterbacks and traits, they keep talking about toughness. <laughs> Which, like, tough guys. look, that's somewhere on my list. Mac Jones was not tough. Like, sorry, he wasn't. Drake May walks into the interview room smoking his cigarette and puts it out on his hands. So, like, I'm your guy. Mac Jones wasn't tough. Mentally, physically was debatable. Although it's hard to say the guy was super physically tough when he's bawling his eyes out, getting carried off the field with a high ankle sprain that some players play through. Some players play through that. And he needed to be carried off the field. So I don't know how physically tough he was. He definitely wasn't mentally tough. I'm not telling you it doesn't matter. It's just it's starting to catch my ear when before they get to their mobility or their arm strength or their ability to read a defense, they're leading with quarterback toughness. I think they're just using That's not a, where I would lead. That's an empty word they're using. I think that's one of those empty descriptors where they're trying to say something without showing their hand in any way. So okay. they're like, yeah, we want some tough guys. We want a leader. So you think they're playing like a the game? Like the most obvious, vague stuff. Yeah, that's how I hear but that. But wouldn't, wouldn't obvious and vague be we want a guy who can move and has a strong arm? Like, wouldn't that be obvious? No. Why? Because then they're then then people would be like, oh well, get the guy with the strongest arm. That's you know probably Drake May, or you could argue Caleb Williams. Get the guy who can move the best. Okay, that's Jaden Daniels. But that but to me that's really saying nothing because the whole league wants a guy who can move and can huck it a million miles downfield. Like saying you want toughness sounds like you're not valuing what the rest of the league well, values. It just sounds stupid. When yeah. on the other hand, you're also saying we're no longer hard ass. We're open. However you interpret that. Our culture is no longer a hard-ass culture. That went out the door with Bill Belichick. Now we're open. But now we want tough guys. We want tough guys for our open culture. No, it's a good, but it's a good point. Oh, yeah. They all look like they're really tough guys. Which, you know, is obviously great at any position, but the quarterback position especially. 
Do you yeah. ever wear a leather jacket? I've never owned a leather jacket. I didn't think so. Yeah, right. I just like I, a, it's I'm, the kind of thing that like have I thought about it in my life? Have you yes. ever tried one on? No, I've thought, but have I thought? You've about, never even tried one no, on. But I have I thought about the weight being of like, it would just have them collapse to the ground. No, no, no. I've thought about being like you know what. Maybe now's the time. And then I go, no, you can't pull off a leather jacket. You want something that says leather daddy? Yeah. (laughs) I would be a bit of a Tobias Funke in that thing. There's no (laughs) doubt about it. I don't believe I've ever owned a jean jacket either. Okay, the jean jacket is more of a retro look. Yeah, like it's if not 1986. If you're doing a jean yeah, jacket, I do jean, a lot of jean-ish jean jack- jackets. Jean, it's back in. Yeah, you're, jean he's saying, jacket. He's saying 80s, it's back in. It's well, not retro, be, it's back in. You'd be doing more of like a Bruce Springsteen look with a jean jacket. Yeah, right. I think a jean jacket is much less of a statement on a man than a leather jacket. And leather jacket is like, I feel like if these guys all walked in in leather jackets, <laughs> Wolfie would be like, I don't know who to pick. <laughs> <laughs> Look at these guys. No, They're like I've, the T-Birds. I've thought about I've thought about going leather jacket, but I've never I I just understand myself. I, I know my limitations. I can't pull that off. What up. if you did like a matrix length leather jacket? Like a duster. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like when they fight over the duster on Always Sunny. Yeah. I think I'm closer to pulling off the I'm duster. Not burning it. <laughs> uh but it it is right. He does kind of contradict himself. He's like, Yeah, we're not hard asses anymore, but we want a tough quarterback. Uh, and that's what he said about Bill. Elliot Wolf, just the latest, who can't resist stabbing Bill Belichick in the back. Uh, by the way, uh, maybe the biggest badass of them all, Rob Bradford is going to join us about five minutes from now, as he does each and every Tuesday. We'll get some Red Sox talk here coming up at 4.30. So stay tuned for that. You can listen live on the Odyssey app, A-U-D-A-C-Y. Get that, on, right, your, get that on your phone, Rob. It's free. It's easy. Uh, so make sure you download that. Rob wears a leather jacket. He, I, I mean, the, the, I know it. the biggest badass. Uh, so he's such a badass. He wears a denim jacket over his leather jacket. <laughs> no, 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 you want the de- the denim under the, no, 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 yeah. the leather. The heat doesn't yeah. get to, the heat doesn't get to the man. Can I hear uh, Elliot Wolf highlighting more quarterback traits here? Because I also found this interesting. This is Wolf earlier today. First of all, being a being someone that can elevate his teammates, someone that your teammates want to play for. I think that's an extremely underrated thing that people don't really talk about that much. Um, leadership's important, and obviously, you know, physical talent. We wouldn't be talking about these guys if they weren't physically talented. Okay. I, I again, I just, I, I that feels like a direct shot at Mac Jones. He'd go on to talk about body language and go on to discuss, uh, you know, how the rest of the team is looking at it. I thought Razor gave a great answer on this earlier. He's like, body language really is just, when we're talking about that and you're freaking out, what you're doing is showing up your teammates, and what you're really doing is saying it's not my fault. And Mac was just so guilty of that, it wasn't even funny. So that was a direct shot at Mac. I, it might have been a shot at Caleb Williams, if we're being honest. Not great body language on Caleb Williams. And so I don't know enough about Drake May and his body language or Jaden Daniels and their body language. Like, I watched some of their college games. I didn't watch them as much as I watched Caleb Williams. I've seen highlights. You don't tend to, tend to see a lot of body language in highlights. Yeah, but I am, like, drawing conclusions about Drake May from what I heard of him on the Schefter podcast, which is... He sounds a lot, like, more Southern than I was expecting. So? I didn't realize he was well, that, that Southern. You're Southern. No, I'm not. Not yes, like that. But you're Not like, I thought, I just didn't expect it to be, like, a drawl. Is Mego making fun of the way someone talks? He is has that, a is draw. that what Mego's doing? Mego's making fun of the way people pronounce words? I, I got a little, a little Drake May on uh, Adam Schefter's podcast. It's, it's hard not to talk. At last, shoot New England. I mean... It's hard not to talk about the dynasty. We, you know, with the great, you think of the GOAT. You know, that's what you think of. You know, when you think of New England, you think of the GOAT, Tom Brady. So uh, just a place with – it's had a lot Tom of success. Brady. And, um, had some years lately that they haven't Sounds been like successful. Sounds like Mecca to me. And, uh, looking to be- get back on track. And I know that's, you know, right there in Boston is 
What was three, that? You know, these three great sports towns you're talking about now. What did he just now, say? So, uh, Bob Crabdyer in Boston. <laughs> what was that? Play that again. Um, Bob- some years lately, they haven't been as successful and uh, looking to get back on track. And I know that's, you know, Bob right there in Boston is... <laughs> I mean, that was not English. So are you out? That old eight, man. They got up in Boston. No, I just so wasn't out? expecting that. It's like, oh, okay. It's I feel kind of like I was on one of these dating apps with Drake May, and then we sat down at dinner. He opened his mouth, and I was like, oh. <laughs> you know, bot right there near Boston. Is- I think Meg- <laughs> I think Meg goes out. I'm not out. I'm so in. Uh, Meg goes out on her fellow Southerner. She's out. I'm not. First of all, I'm not Southern. And second of all, but I'm. Yeah, yeah, where are you from? Bot right there in Boston. <laughs> Where where are you from? That? I'm with from your, Maryland. With your weird accent. I'm from weirdo Maryland. It's not. Yeah. It's, it's kind of a southern state. It's not really a southern state. Mego turning on her uh, fellow southerner. We fought with the union. We actually preserved the District of Columbia. It's kind of a big deal that nobody really talks about because Virginia, the District of Columbia is supposed to be a perfect square, and Virginia took back their land and never gave it back, but nobody ever talks about that. Ryan, That's why the Pentagon and the National yeah, Cemetery enough with is your history. For your service. Enough with your history book, gobbledygook. Ryan, Maryland, south or north? Oh, the south. South. Big time. If south. I have to pick one, it's definitely not the north. South of uh, you're south it's of like weird. you're it's south of like New York, touching Virginia. Area. You're the south. You're south of Long Island. You're you're south. Uh, Steve is in Fall River. Go ahead, Steve. It's ridiculous. New Jersey is the I'm, south. I'm just looking forward to a tough leader there. I'm, I just can't get. I can't wait for the tough leader that people want to follow. Yeah. But anyway, we don't we don't need a we don't need a quarterback because I'm looking at all these other high picks, and they're all washing out. You got this, uh, like CJ Stroud, Chicago. Uh, no, well, for every CJ Stroud, there's six guys that washed out, including uh, the top of this draft that Mac Jones is supposed to be great. Trevor Lawrence supposed to be the next John Elway. How's that working out? Sure. What about the draft the year before that? What about the draft the year before that, where it went uh, Burrow, Tua, Herbert, Hurts? That was a pretty awesome draft. It was. How's this Herbert doing? I hear more hype about him than he's actually doing anything. Okay, so you wouldn't I mean, want, you Herbert want Herbert on this team? Right, you don't want Herbert? Well, I mean, he needs, he needs to win playoff games. You don't yeah, want him? I know. I want Herbert. I want Lawrence, but it doesn't matter if they don't produce anything. Here's the deal. They need a lot of people. You're not going to get someone. You're not going to – you're expecting you're going to get – So what do you want? Uh, you're going to – I want – we right now in this draft, we need we need picks. We love – Hein Bloom oh, left the Red on. Sox in better shape than Bill Belichick left the Patriots. We need a short sure thing at the top. Take the receiver. The next I, pick I, at the Steve, bottom of the draft. Steve, that's not a sure thing. And this is what bo- this really bothers me. It's so irritating <laughs> at this point. It really like I'm sure a lot of people like so there was no super high wide receiver last year, but like people thought Quentin Johnson was a receiver that wasn't going to miss. That that guy's ready to be out of the league, and he was drafted in the 20s last year. Uh, you can get him uh, right. Let's see. Bring him down to Boston. How about Jamison Williams? He was arguably the top receiver uh, going into the draft in 2022. Uh, he can barely get on the field full-time for the Detroit Lions. Uh, let's see, let's see, let's see. Uh, Jamar Chase is a pretty good pick. I'll give you that. Um, well, I got to keep scrolling back. Actually, that was a good, that was a good, this is a good wide receiver draft in 2021, which is a bad quarterback draft. Uh, let's see. How about Henry Ruggs at 12? That was a can't-miss guy, right? Out of the league. Jerry Judy. Patriots fans still talk about him. Stinks. CeeDee Lamb was in that draft, so good receiver. Jalen Rager went before Justin Jefferson. So, like, I feel like you can put my point to Steve is you can play that game with every position. And acting like wide receivers don't miss is foolish. They miss in the top five. I've given you Charles Rogers before. You know, Amari Cooper to me is a really good one. Amari, if, if you draft Amari Cooper at three, 
I think he went four in his draft, but play it out. If you draft Amari Cooper, are you happy with that? Does that feel like uh, it's a can't-miss guy? He's on his third organization, and he might be going on to his fourth. 617-779-7937. I still can't stop thinking about Drake May's accent. Bop right there in Boston. Bop right there in Boston. Bop right there in Boston. Give her a couple of days. She flip-flops like our kid. Give her a couple of days. She'll be out on Drake May. Uh, joining us, as he does each and every Tuesday at 4.30 on the Harbor One Hotline, Rob Bradford of WEEI. You can check out his work on the Odyssey app. Baseball isn't boring, of course. Uh, how are we doing today, Rob? Listen, there's only one receiver who's going to be taken in the first round that has been on the Baseball Isn't Boring podcast. <laughs> so I don't care what uh, what needs to be done, but that guy needs to be drafted. Who is, that is Marvin Harrison Jr. Marvin Harrison Jr. Oh, my God, you're one of these. Oh, Rob. What? Brad, because if you what? take if you take Marvin Harrison Jr., you're not uh, going to no, take no, one no, of these no, top so you're, three you're, quarterbacks. I hate him even more. You're 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 not you're not, you're missing the point. I don't care. I don't care about literally anything else other than the fact that he held up a baseballs and boring T-shirt. So and then I can I can resurface it. I don't care about anything All right. else. All right, questionable so, judgment he, on this. I, I, another reason not to take him at three. Questionable judgment <laughs> on Marvin Harrison Jr. He's huge though. You know the one thing is standing next oh, to him. Oh, football player is big. Mackerel. <laughs> No, no, come on. You know, you've been around receivers. Receivers are like, you know, you can get the, the David Pattons of the world, the Troy Browns of the world, and those guys. This guy's a big guy. Anyway, that's my scouting report. There you go. Okay, I like it. Uh, I appreciate I wanna, it. I want to ask you about the Red Sox. Uh, some players have uh, started to pop off to a degree. That would include Rafael Devers. That would include Kenley Jansen, who we've talked to you about uh, in the past. How upset are the players with ownership? We know fans are upset. Sounds like Cora's plenty upset. How upset are the players? I think it's settling in a little bit, and this is, this usually happens in spring training where you're you're seeing best case scenario from guys, and guys are optimistic. But I'll say this: I'll spin it a little bit different. So right now, um, I'm in Arizona. I came here for a couple of days. I talked to Xander Bogarts. I talked to uh, I was over at Dodgers camp. I talked to some former Red Sox over there, and everyone is asking the same question. What is going on in Boston? These guys are you, these guys, as we know, the the Boston Red Sox that they have known. This is not that Boston Red Sox, and you know Xander's going to be on the podcast dropping tomorrow morning, and he just basically flat out said that he's like, "This isn't how we used to do business. <laughs> this is not how it used to go." And you know, we heard it with Pedroia, we've heard it with other guys, and, and so I think that that's the sort of fascinating thing to me is that, yeah, sure, you know, you have Devers and you have you have Kenley, but there's not a lot of other guys in there, as we said before, who are sort of in the position to have a voice on this. But the guys who do have a voice on it are making their voice heard. So you bring up Devers and Kenley Jansen there, and I think about this, about where this team was with some early team meetings last season when Verdugo stepped up and wanted to be the one that was running at least one of those <laughs> meetings. Who do you get the inkling is going to be leaders in the clubhouse for the team as it's constituted today? Is it going to be Devers? Is If Jansen's around, is it going to be Jansen? Or are we looking at a younger guy to step into that role? It's a good question. I think that one that that sort of went under the radar when we were trying to figure out uh, the team building of this whole equation. And I I do think that Devers is more of a leader in his own way. He's like, he's going to pick his spots, I guess. And we saw he picked his spot. There you go. Raphael Devers made it be known because once 
he is a guy who's going to be here for 10 years, and he wants to be on winning teams. But to answer your question, the guy who, who has absolutely tried to do what Justin Turner did, be that guy, is Trevor Story. The problem is, is that Trevor Story is in the same boat with a lot of these guys. He's trying to establish his own deal. It's not like he's signed here for 10 years. It's not like he's coming off this, this great, great couple years, he's, he, but he's doing everything he possibly can to be that exact guy that you talked about. It's not a perfect scenario, but I'll give Trevor credit, man. Like, I'll give him credit. Someone's going to step up and, and, and be a voice because Justin Turner was absolutely that guy last year. And I don't know if you know that. He's not playing for him anymore. No, that uh, that is true. He's Rob Bradford of WEEI. He joins us each and every week here on Jones and Mego. No Arcan today. Uh, look, I I'm fascinated by this Jordan Montgomery just discussion, and I say fascinated because he's really nothing special, Rob. Like the Red Sox could use him, but he's nothing special. He's like a good, solid big leaguer. Maybe I'm I'm missing the point on this. It seems like there's been a little bit of movement on Jordan Montgomery this past week. Cody Bellinger finally signed back with the Cubs. Maybe there's some movement on these Boris clients. Has there been a shift with the Red Sox on signing someone like that, or am I misreading it? I don't think there's been a shift in the Red Sox. I think there's been a shift in per- perhaps Jordan Montgomery. I think the, the the contract that you saw for Cody Bellinger was a sign that these guys are not going to get the, the shock and awe deals that Boris pulled out of his hat just when you didn't think it was possible. I don't think that's happening. I don't think it's going to happen with Jordan Montgomery. And that's where we, I, weeks ago, I think I was on with you guys, and say, hey, you know what, maybe they're playing this right. Maybe he falls to them. And it's trending more that way than ever before. I think the people in baseball, throughout baseball, if you said, where do you think Jordan Montgomery is going to end up? I think the, the, the very, very, very mass amount of people who are going to, they're going to say, Jordan Montgomery is going to get the Boston Red Sox. That was the majority of people in baseball think right now. Is that going to happen? I don't know. I think the dangerous part about the whole Jordan Montgomery market falling down to where the Red Sox feel feel okay with signing him is that there might be some other teams say, hey, you know what? Yeah, we could use a number three starter at three years. Sure. Look, this, this, this part of our, our name in the hat for Jordan Montgomery. So I, I do think there's still a chance for the Red Sox, but I'm with you, Adam. Like, I'm with you. I said this all along. We, we get so obsessed over the Red Sox getting somebody that we forget that this isn't the guy that you're going to build around for the next six or seven years. He can help this team. He can help this team on the field. He can help this team perception-wise. But let's not get this twisted. That Jordan Montgomery is not the foundational guy that I think a lot of people are making him out to be. Do you get the sense that any of this waiting it out with Jordan Montgomery has to do with a budget that the Red Sox parameters are stuck under? <laughs> like a, I should say it this way, a self-imposed budget from ownership saying it's got to work with this. Yeah, I think that's part of it. Absolutely. I think that at the end of the day, Mego, is that whatever, wherever they come with come to the point where Boris, where they think this might be worth it for Jordan Montgomery, ultimately that's going to have to be passed through John Henry. This is how it always has worked. The difference is, is that from what we know from John Henry in years past, he's been, hey, you want to pay more $40 million more for David Price? Yeah, let's go get him. 
that's not how they're doing business because of those, as you said, the parameters. So I, I do think that they are still dealing within those parameters. But you have to understand, too, is that if this report from Bob Nightingale is correct, they were around $300 million for Yamamoto. No one's going to say you're paying that much for, for Jordan Montgomery, but it does show the parameters can shift when they want the parameters to shift. Now comes the, the point of how much do they feel like it's important to get this guy for this year to shift those parameters. I said parameters way too much. I no. understand that. No, no, no. It's all you're, right. That's it. You're right in line with them. You sound like Sam Kennedy. That's yeah. true. Uh, so before yeah. before we let you go, before we let you go, how much uh, how much new baseball pants talk are you guys doing on the Baseball Isn't Boring podcast? Uh, what's oh, it like in goodness. person? Yeah, yeah. What's that like up close and personal? Oh, it's 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 it's. I mean, I just can't take my eyes off it. Like, it's, it's, it's something crazy. for the fans. It's something for the fans. Like yeah. I said, the. We, we uh, one player was nice enough to put a baseballs and boring sticker underneath his uniform, and it showed. Where like did he put it? Uh, well, well placed, uh, right on his thigh. It showed oh. right there for everybody oh, nice. to see. Hot. So it's uh, yeah. These, this is this is this is undeniably the the talk of spring training. Um, it isn't changing anytime soon. Maybe they'll adjust some things, but think about how much time, effort, and money went into making these uniforms for all these players for this season. And you get to this point and like, oh, my goodness, sad trombone. There's so many things wrong with them. And they aren't. And I said, said this before. They are, they are not the same uniforms as they showed the All-Stars back in last July. They are not the same. They aren't fitted. They are, those weren't see-through, all of that. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, listen, spring training is, is a great time to talk about this stuff. So, Thank you, Majestic, Majestic, and thank you, Nike, for letting us talk about something so silly as the uniforms. All right, he is Rob Bradford. You can check out the Baseball Isn't Boring podcast with Baseball Isn't Boring stickers all over baseball players. Uh, that's on the Odyssey app, A-U-D-A-C-Y. <laughs> Get it on your phone. It's free. It's easy. It's worth checking out. Uh, Bradford usually corners somebody and gets something good out of him, like Henley Jansen uh, complaining about the Red Sox and their offseason in previous episodes. Yeah, you're gonna, and you're going to want to listen to Bogarts tomorrow. Bogarts. Uh, much like Kenley, very, very honest human being. Okay. We always appreciate it. Well, I'm sure we'll be uh, playing some of that tomorrow, Rob, and we'll talk to you next week. Thanks so much. All right. See you later. Thanks, Rob. All right, Rob Bradford, as all our guests, joins us on the Harbor One Hotline. I'm not buying. We, we didn't even talk about it yesterday. I'm not buying the Nightingale report on Yamamoto. They had a $3 million offer no, for them. This time we really mean that we offered them the money that they wanted. I don't buy that. I bet I buy that they're saying, or someone's saying that yeah, tonight. Sure, and go, I sure. don't buy that was the offer. But, like, they went from spending $300 million on a player to not spending on anyone? That doesn't make any sense. Just use your brain for a second. I'm not saying that to Rob. I'm just saying in general. I don't buy that report. Real quick, since Stephen Fall River brought it up, and I was hanging on every word Rob said, but I was also uh, uh, doing some research, some wide receivers who missed. Justin Blackman at five. Oh, come on. How was that? Was that a good pick? Uh, I was not. Uh, how about Tavon Austin at eight? These are each the top wide receivers in their draft, by the way. That was in 2013. Tavon Austin, remember him? Sammy Watkins at four. Do you like him? Uh, that was in 2014. Uh, 2015, hang on. Uh, Amari Cooper went high at four, and I think he's debatable. Kevin White went seven. They were neck and neck for the best receiver in that draft. Oh, by the way, Devontae Parker went 14, and Nelson Aguilar went 20. Those were all the top receivers in the 2015 draft. 2016, you ready for this, Mego? I can see you're excited. Corey Coleman, the first receiver in that draft. Do you remember him? I think he might have been here briefly. Followed by Will Fulmer, uh, Fuller, Josh Doxson. He was on the Washington football team. 
and Laquan Treadwell. Those were the uh, top receivers in 2016. 2017, one more good one for you. Corey Davis at five. Uh, even Mike Williams at seven. Is that a no-brainer hit? John Ross at nine? These guys miss. And to act like you never miss on wide receivers and you're only going to miss on quarterbacks is dumb. Uh, we'll get to triple play with all your phone calls next. It's going to be a triple play. It's time for the triple play. Yes! Triple play! The top three burning questions of the day. And there's three. With Jones and Mego. Triples is best. Triples is best. Triple play is brought to you by the 99 Restaurant. They have early week supper specials. Bring the family and enjoy a delicious roast turkey dinner every Sunday. Hearty meatloaf every Monday. Crispy spinach and artichoke chicken every Tuesday. Jones and Mego. You gotta love the nines. It's Tuesday. Means it is over under Tuesday. Let us not waste any more time. Let's get right into it. Number one. Number one, a subject uh, that excites Megan Ottolini greatly. Uh, the smallest quarterback hand size uh, in last year's Ooh, NFL yeah. Combine uh, belongs to one Kenny Pickett, who I believe the number was eight and a half inches. So, uh, Megan, we'll start with you on two this years one. Ago? Two, two years, years ago? Or two years ago. Yeah. Uh, the over-under on the smallest quarterback hand size in this year's Combine, the over-under I have set is eight and a half. Um, I mean, over. I think most of the guys are going to be over that. Most of them start at around nine, go up to ten, maybe ten and a quarter, ten and a half. If you're got really big bear paws or something, I'm like, I think it's silly. I don't really think it matters. Joe Burrow, I just checked, has nine inch hands, so he's on the smaller size with the hands and. Obviously, I think he's great. So I don't really think it matters, but I think most of these guys are going to be over eight and a half. Do you think there's ever an instance where they're like, okay, you're right. You're like eight, eight and a quarter. Like, hey, we're going to round it up. Oh, all the time. It's like, remember on the old show, we Fourier tried to botch my roster height because I'm five, seven. And in rosters, I was always listed five, seven. But technically, I'm five, six, and three yeah. quarters. So yeah, they yeah, just yeah. round up to seven. And Fourier tried to like no, measure better. me against a wall and tried to say that I was like only five, six. And he did all this funky stuff with like tilting We want a you book. to have your own shoe. It was very undermining. Got it. So I don't get it. You're five, six or you're five, seven? No, I'm five, seven. Roster height. Roster height, yeah. five, seven. And uh, combine my, height, my, five, six, and three. My quarters. roster no, height in high school is like six feet. Seven. I'm definitely not six feet. Roster height doesn't mean but anything. I'm five, that's six, li- and that's three line. quarters. Like nobody writes that. Okay. I'm five, seven. Unless you're J- six. Jaden Daniels' roster weight is 210. You don't believe he's 210, right? No, I don't believe that. Okay. So why should we believe you're five, seven? Um, because that's my roster height. <laughs> okay, but I'm, I'm telling you, like, roster, okay, roster heights and weights don't mean anything. Because if I put on sneakers, I'm magically 5'7". If I'm barefoot at the doctor, I'm 5'6 and 3 quarters. Some magic. Mm. You're wearing shoes. Mm. But then okay, four, I'm not four, playing any sports But barefoot. when Fourier measured you with an actual tape measure, you were 5'6"? No, he tilted a book down and then marked it on the wall where the book was, and he had tilted the book down like a whole inch. It was ridiculous. <laughs> Very maybe, scientific. Maybe we have to remeasure. Uh, I, I, I'm going to take the under. I'll take the under. I bet there's some good juice on that. I'm going to take the under on eight and a half uh, inch hands. I do think it matters. Like, it's not my number one priority. I'm not prioritizing it over uh, college production. But if somebody has tiny hands, I'm going to go back and watch the tape, and I'm going to say, oh, can they hold on to the football? Are they going to be able to play in poor conditions? Do they just shot put it with both hands at the same time? Yeah. I mean, look, Caleb Williams, I have no idea what his hand size is going to be, but, like, if he has smaller hands and he's never playing outside in poor conditions and cold conditions in the Northeast, I might have second thoughts about that hand size or Jaden Daniels or whomever, Drake May, I might. So 
look, I think playing in the Northeast, that matters. I'm not going to dismiss that. And I'll say the smallest one is under eight and a half. There you go. All right. Number two. Number two. Let's shift to basketball. The Celtics have uh, quite an impressive stretch of of playoff teams they are facing coming up here. Your upcoming schedule for the Celtics is as followed. Uh, They see the Sixers tonight, who are still a playoff team despite their struggles. Uh, Then it is the Dallas Mavericks, the Golden State Warriors, the Cleveland Cavaliers, the Denver Nuggets, and the Phoenix Suns. I have set the over-under at how many wins they will have in that stretch at three and a half. Jones. Over. I mean, look, maybe they lose to the Nuggets. Maybe on top of that, they lose to the Suns. They should beat everybody else on this list. They should beat Philly. They should beat Cleveland. They should beat Dallas. They should beat, and Ryan's been beating the drum for Golden State over the last, like, week. They should beat Golden State. So, at bare minimum, they should win four. I really think they should win five. This is the kind of stretch where I want to see what they're made of. If they go three and three, is it the end of the world? No. But if they go five and one or six and oh, and they make a statement... This is an opportunity to go make a statement. I think they will. I'll take over on three and a half. I, I think I would take over on four and a half. I think they should win five out of six. Well, let's hear from the host of Just the Tip-Off, our basketball <laughs> podcast, Megan Adelini. Uh, it's called Slammed. It's not Just the Tip-Off. Uh, I think if they go three and three, that's dismal. Uh, the, you started the slide that you had last season in March, so I would look at this stretch as pretty important. I think that they should take one against Denver, and that's somebody that you could very, very, very possibly see in the finals when you get back there. Sixers are not the Sixers without Embiid. So you have that one. Mavs, Warriors, like I could see one of those being some kind of trap game. Uh, Suns, I think they'll get up for. I'm still taking the over. You should not go three and three, but I think it's closer to four. Yeah, I think okay. if they go three and three, I don't think we're feeling really good about the no, state of the team at that point. Definitely not. I mean, look, if they just lose to Denver and get swept by them, I'm not going to feel great about that. But that's the one game where I say, okay, you get a little bit of slack. All right, one more. Number three. Number three, and uh, this I think is going to be an easy one for both of you. Spring training baseball, specifically Under. the. <laughs> and that's been triple play. All right, everybody. Well, no, Jones didn't answer. <laughs> Jones the over under yeah Megan hold on I I have a a very scientific over under number here Mm -hmm. Uh, the spring training baseball you will watch I've set the over under at 20 minutes it's a total yes not like in one game consecutively 20 minutes it's just total the total for the month of of, well it's almost March so it's in the month of March 20 minutes yeah still under Uh, still under but here's here's what I'm going to tell you I I told you guys I'm not counting like spring training I told you guys this last spring training I care about their record in spring training. I care. Aren't they three and one? Are they winning today? Uh, there was a tie. <sighs> today they finished in a tie. Stupid baseball. Because the record matters. Okay. I, spring training record is going to matter to me. And so, look, if they suck, then we'll say, okay, could be another long season. If they have a good record in spring training, I'm not going to guarantee anything, but I'll look at it and go, okay, maybe Cora has them playing. I told you that last spring. They started hot. They fell off at the end of spring. And guess what? They were a last place team. I think you could tell in spring training. So I think you'll be able to tell this spring training, too. I'm not holding my breath. But if they have a good record and they've gotten off to a nice start, I'll start being a little more bullish on the Red Sox. I promise. I'm just trying to, like, guess what size my hands are. If I'm, like, the Seinfeld episode with the big hands. Seven. Man hands. Seven? Seven. You think this is seven? I think I might be under seven. I'm a delicate lady. <laughs> That's why I couldn't keep playing basketball. I had to go to lacrosse. And now that has been triple Could never play. palm it. That's, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's uh, no need to go there. That's triple play uh, here on Jones and Mega with uh, out Arcan. I keep saying with Arcan with Ryan Garvin today here on WEEI. Uh, let's get back to a few other items from Elliot Wolf, a few leftovers that we've not touched on yet. Uh, how involved are the crafts going to be in football ops? He claims he has the final say. I don't buy it. 
Uh, he was asked separately about the crafts. You'll hear that. And also, what about Robin Glazer? We'll get to all that next. Cap space that you guys have in the third overall pick. How involved do you anticipate for some of these big decisions for yeah, I mean, they, they, they prefer to stay out of football, but um, they're, they've been very supportive of Gerard and, and myself and, and Matt. And, you know, it, anything we need, we've got in, in a lot of ways. So um, I think they have opinions, which they'll share, but ultimately it's, it's down to Gerard and I. More Elliot Wolf from earlier today at the Combine. First time we've really heard from him. May go outside of a few like prepackaged videos, as you pointed out the other day. Earlier in the interview, he said, "Final decision is me. I get final say." Is basically what he said in as many words. Then in that answer, he's asked about the crafts and how involved they are. Well, they like to stay out of football, but they will share their opinions, and the decisions pretty much come down to Gerard and I. And so I feel like the answers were a little all over the map. And I'm sorry, I just don't buy that the Crafts aren't involved with the number three pick. I mean, Mego, you latched onto this letter they sent to season ticket holders. Drew Bledsoe, and we have him in this high in our ownership tenure and blah, blah, blah. And Bledsoe, you know, predated their ownership tenure, the draft pick. So I just don't think they're, they're selling that and spinning that if they're not involved in it and getting final say over it. They're going to send that out to season ticket holders? And then Elliot Wolf's going to say, let's trade back and take a tackle. It's and they're going to be okay with that. It's certainly having it both ways. Sending out a letter to season ticket holders saying, hey, remember last time we were drafting anywhere near this high? It was Drew Bledsoe. That was even before we owned the team. But also, hey, Wolfie, get up there and say you're the one who owns the pick. You're <laughs> the one who owns the pick at the end of the day. You stick your neck out there publicly and we'll pretend like we have nothing to do with this. Yeah, Because I do think that the ownership wants a quarterback. Like, uh, no, I'm sure at the def- end of the absolutely day, want a look, quarterback. at the end of the day, I think that they could get talked out of it the same way that if you're watching Dynasty and you buy everything that's in that, Bill Belichick essentially talked Robert Kraft out of going back to Drew Bledsoe and sticking with Tom Brady during that season. Sure. If so you're watching I, I Dynasty. I believe that they, can, that they can be swayed, but I also believe that they probably say, hey, you know, we are getting the folks hope, yeah. like, really excited about this draft so let's make this draft exciting and worthwhile sure and if you're watching dynasty you also know that they overrule bill parcells on picks so i don't know that's always been there do you think they'll go that far uh to the point where they're saying we're drafting this player maybe at three maybe Uh, not at 34 not at 65 or whatever their third round pick is 68 player in particular or this position like, will Both. they? Yeah, I feel like going with a particular player is such a swing from the way that they have seemingly been doing things for several decades. And I understand, like, they're okay. like, ooh, we get our franchise let's back. Ju- let's just play it out. Yeah. We assume Caleb Williams is going one, right? Yes. Okay. So we're pretty much down to Jaden Daniels or Drake May. Mm-hmm. You don't think they have a preference? I don't know that they do. Okay. Well, I mean, I, I don't know that they do, but. Do you think that they have a preference of and which course, one would it be? Of course, they're human beings. Of course, they have a preference. I, I ask you, who do you prefer, Drake May or Jaden Daniels? Do you say, I don't know, I don't care, or do you say, I prefer Drake May? <laughs> despite his southern accent, which I know I could just feel Mego turning on him. Uh, despite... Bob right there near Boston. <laughs> Boomhauer from despite King of the Hill. That, 
despite that, I mean, yes, of course they have a preference. They're human beings and they watch these. I'm sure they're looking at these are, players. Are they going to be nothing else, to, just like highlights on TV, they're looking like, at are them. Are they going to be able to understand them in the huddle? They're going <laughs> right. to be looking at each other like, hey, Mike, do you know what he just said? I have no idea what their preference is going to be. Yeah, he said on three or why they're going to do it. But I bet they have a preference, yeah. And I could see them strong-arming their rookie kid GM, who is not even – he doesn't have the title of GM. He's director of scouting, as he informed everybody earlier So today. now the text line is quibbling with this. He said the pick will be said by him, but the staff will choose it. I just said that. He said – he's at the end, he said, yeah, it's ultimately down to me and Gerard. And it's like, well, earlier you said it was you. He and- said it was him. Correct. At the end of the day, it will be myself. That was at the beginning of the press conference. Then at the end, when he's asked about the crafts, he said, ultimately, it's going to come down to me and Gerard. Certainly, the crafts will give their opinion. But, yeah, I feel like he was all over the map. Well, it's yes. a matter of of what are we talking about? Because the, the question was specifically about the amount of cap space. And that's where Elliot Wolf is saying, well, you know, uh, the, the crafts, they have their opinions and everything. But at the end of the day, it's going to come down to what Gerard and I feel is best for the team versus okay, but- what are you doing for the draft? And he's saying, well, it's a collaborative issue, but ultimately, someone one has to make it. that pick, and I, that is myself. He's, He's going to wear, wear it. Yeah. yeah. Elliot Wolf is going to be so wearing the I don't know why the, the text line is all Beko, upset about this it. This shouldn't be a hard concept. Who wore it? Who wore the, the failures of the Red Sox last year at the trade deadline? Hyam Bloom wore it. But whose fault was it really? John Henry. It's the same thing. Now, at least Bloom had the title, and, you know, Wolf doesn't have the title yet, but it's the exact same thing. Like, they don't want to be viewed as making the decision because they don't want it to stick to them. And I think it's the exact same thing. We keep comparing the Red Sox to the Patriots and vice versa. I think it's very apt. Real quick before we play you more, Elliot Wolf, because you know I like to hear my uh, my Robin Glazer answers. Uh, More Robin Glazer answers today, by the way. No, I know. It's just pointless to even ask about Robin Glazer. She has no role. Um, You see this from Mike Reese in the last half hour or so. I hadn't seen it. Mike Reese, big piece. What's up, baby? (laughs) He says a little bit of inside football deal. Clutch Sports announces it will now represent Anthony Jennings. Okay. Who? Okay. Similar to, so I mostly agree. I don't care about Anthony Anthony Jennings. But why are all these Patriots players changing agents? This is what I want to know. Anthony Jennings is changing representation. Mike and when you fired his agent. Kyle Duggar changed representation. When he do that? I don't know. This is what Mike Reese said. He said, similar to other situations, e.g., Mike and Wenyu, Kyle Duggar, this resets things from a negotiating standpoint between the team and Jennings' reps. Why are all these players switching representation? And I'd have to double-check on when Duggar did it. Is this recent? Did he do it in season? I'm now starting to think that maybe this happened a few months back because I do vaguely remember talking about it now. But Wenyu and Jennings are doing it in the final days before free agency. Like, what's, what's going on there? I got to say, honestly, I have no idea. Do you think it has anything to do with the cap space? That now they're going to be tougher negotiators because they know that there's more money out there. Maybe. Or maybe it's a sign these players are coming back and they're willing to play Or maybe it has something to do with the fact that Mike Unwinu has a a set of working ears and heard his coach go, we're going to burn some cash. Oh, really? Oh, that's interesting. That would have been weeks ago. I think, if anything, it has more to do with that cap space went up like 30%. No, no, no. The guy, they're not negotiating with Bill Belichick anymore. They're like, oh, we might actually be able to get our value. Well, maybe... Maybe I should go get an agent that's going to find the value for me if they're ready to actually pony up and start paying guys that are going to help this team win football games, which historically the, the Patriot way has been to never pay anybody that could help you win football games. I think that is exactly what it has to do with. Go get me a big boy agent because I want a big boy contract. Then why didn't a month ago? I don't know. Kyle Duggar, don't Kyle Duggar, by the way, did change about a month ago. Uh, so this is from January 30th. Kyle, so about a month ago, Kyle Duggar changed representation 
on when you just did it, Anthony Jennings, and again, I, I don't care about him specifically, but just the trend of Patriots players doing that, what's that about? And I don't fully know the answer. Uh, maybe it's, hey, we were being told one thing, and I didn't like what I'm hearing, and I want to fire my agent before I get to free agency because there's about to be a big, giant bag of money out there, and I want to go get it. Or maybe the agents are driving these players to free agency, telling them to go to free agency, and these players are saying, nah, I actually want to stay in New England. Why would they want to? I don't know. I'm saying I find that hard to believe, but it, I, I could see it being one of those two things. I, I think it would be the first thing. Hey, I don't like the number I'm hearing. I'm firing my agent. I'm going to go get more money. That's my guess. 617-779-7937. You can still vote. At Jones and Mego, in our big question of the day, sounds like the Patriots are leaning quarterback at number three. Do you love it? Like Mego and myself. Do you want to know which quarterback it is? It depends on the quarterback before you lock in at number three. Do you have a preference? Is it Jaden Daniels over Drake May? I think Meg starting to lean that way. She doesn't no, like Drake I'm May's not. accent. I'm not. I just think it's funny. Caleb Williams. It's just uh, a funny accent. I thought this was the show where we laugh at people's funny, funny regional how they talk. No, I no, we do. I just I Mega, it's just yours. Mego's just lashing just out. Me. Now. Oh, okay. I guess it's just me. Mego's just lashing me out. Who's allowed to get made I don't, who it play that again? Fuck that here, Boston. <laughs> I really got it right away. <laughs> I still don't know what he said. I can't even tell the difference. Uh, or do you he hate said, it? said. Or do you hate it uh, like Razor? Uh, you can vote there. Uh, meanwhile, let me hear from Elliot Wolf uh, on Robin Glazer. He was asked about her role. Here's what he said. Yeah, Robin's been a good resource for everyone. Um, she continues in her role as, uh, as chief legal counsel and... Uh, She's been helpful uh, with some of the day-to-day behind-the-scenes things that need to get taken care of. Hmm. So what does Damn. that mean? What is that? Yeah, like I don't, I, I don't, don't buy that either. That. Oh, she continues in her role. Oh yeah, and this other shrouded in secret behind-the-scenes stuff, like sitting in on offensive coordinator interviews. Like I, I don't buy that she's just lead counsel liaison to the league. I don't buy that. I don't think it's just liaison to the league. I think she is operating in some kind of liaison between. Uh, Gerard Mayo and other people in the organization yeah, and ownership. people who are potentially coming into the organization, like in terms of sitting into interviews. At the same time, I don't think that Robin Glazer, I can't say this enough. I don't think that she's going to have a say in the pick. I don't think she's going to have a say in free agency. I know you say that. I don't think she's going to have a say in anything to do with the team itself. I know you say that, but that's not what was written by Wickersham. She's been promoted since. He wrote about a rumor, which she he appears, identified as a rumor. She appears, and you're a dog with a bone with this thing. She appears. Okay, but Mego, it's like not a like. Robin Glazer with a hammer. This, that's that's so, what you are. That's so wrong, though, because Wickersham wrote her name, and I'm like, who the hell is this lady? And I'm like, that's and then weird. you became obsessed. I'm not obsessed. You she, are obsessed with her. Mego, she pops up everywhere now. Because Everywhere. you keep bringing her up. I put her in I put her in Dynasty. Yes, you did. I, I heard pu- that you, I saw you take Jeff Benedict aside and you said. I put her in Dynasty. Put her in that. I had her at Gerard Mayo's press conference saying, oh, by the way, I got a raise. I did that. I did that. You demanded I'm, that she was uh, searching for offensive coordinators I'm in, Bur- in the meetings. I'm Burt Breer reporting on her sitting in on offensive coordinator. I did that? Yes. I did that. Yeah, it was all you. She continu- She continues to pop up. And all, I'm just going to keep pointing it out. Every time she pops up, because it's relevant, every time she pops up, I'm going to keep pointing it out. Because I'm led to believe that it, she has no role and no power. And that doesn't seem to be the way it's going. Uh, real quick, Elliot Wolf didn't say much there. At least he answered it. Well, it, it, it. Just to juxtapose how he is more forthcoming than Mayo. Like, Mayo plays the game and will say a lot of words. I don't think there's as much substance there with Mayo. 
I think he's been evasive and hasn't given you any clear. Yeah, you know, honestly, like at this point in time, I just kind of want to focus on right. the coaches. Like he answered the question, I guess, but he gave you nothing on Robin Glazer specifically. Elliot Wolf, again, I don't totally buy what he's saying, but at least he locked in and said she's still lead counsel. Oh, yeah, and she's doing this other behind-the-scenes stuff. Now, what the hell are those behind-the-scenes things? These are the questions I would follow up on if I were asking, like, oh, behind-the-scenes stuff. Like, what? That'd be a good question. Does it help your mindset at all if he really does believe that where it's like, yeah, you know what? In my mind, if I'm Elliot Wolf, she is just negotiating contracts and all that stuff. I'm the one making football decisions. Yeah, and she's just smashing the tapes. (laughs) That's all. Nothing major. She's just smashing the tapes from Spygate. Deflating the footballs from deflate. I can't wait for the deflate gate episode, which is deflating the footballs. I can't wait for right, that. Hammer time with Robin Glazer on Pineapple Street Studios, a podcast coming to you. 617-779-7937. Is she in any more of these episodes? Was that it? I don't recall her in others. Okay. I'm that cur- I've seen. I'm curious. Ryan. Something tells me she's going to be by the final episode. I don't think we've heard the last of Robert. Something tells me she's the one who was at Robert Kraft's house when Brady come over to meet with him at the last second. And she's the one who slams the door while he walks out. Something tells me that's how the series is going to end. I was like, the last thing I saw before I left was Robin Glazer menacing me with a hammer. <laughs> yeah, chasing me out of the house. Uh, 617-779-7937. More your feedback there. What do we have coming up in Meg's planning, Mego? Okay, what we have coming up is a prompt that I came across that I want to talk to you guys about. What are we in the golden age of right now? The best of times for something specifically. I have a couple nominations. I found a couple nominations on the web. And I'd also say we need to flip this to the other side. What are we in the dark ages of? What are we in the worst of times with? The best of times and the worst of times. So we'll uh, we'll give you the best of times. We'll put our thing down, flip it and reverse it. Give you the worst of times as well. Uh, That's in Meg's planning at 530. We got more thoughts from Elliot Wolf today. That's right after Trending with Ryan. Take Jones and Mego wherever you go. Just tell your smart speaker, hey, Alexa, play EEI, play Jones. <laughs> this is Jones and Mego. Yeah, I hate Jones, Alexa, on WEI. Yeah, I would say our pitch to free agents is, you know, this is a new program and we're, we're heading in the right direction. It's a new era. We have leadership with Gerard Mayo that is going to be tremendous. Like, he's... He's just an unbelievable leader and developer of people. And I think that, you know, as we move forward with the new offense and defense, like it's gonna be it's gonna be pretty special and exciting here. It's Elliot Wolf. Uh, interesting to hear from him today. And I think some real insight, some real substance on what the Patriots could be doing here this offseason. Uh, you can jump in on Jones and Mego, 617-779-7937. We'll get to Meg's planning with Megan Annalini coming up. So, Jones. Yes. I want to pitch you on this. I was going to say, that's not the most okay. compelling free agency pitch. It you really isn't. You have a lot of money. Uh-huh. And well, I like, I like can, this so far. You can yeah. buy a lot of different houses. Okay. This house is a new house. Yep. It's such a new house that an architect, this is his first house that he's ever built. Uh-huh. And we haven't finished the kitchen yet. So if you want, you can come in and pick out some stuff for the kitchen. Maybe. Tile, backsplash. Well, let's not get crazy. Like, maybe you can pick out the backsplash, but somebody else is going to pick out the tile because the architect does have his own opinions. Okay. Also, the house, we may have built it on top of a graveyard Uh of the Belichick family. Yep. So it may be haunted by that, but we're not sure yet. We think we moved more than the headstones. We're not sure. Anyways, it's a new house. Um, and you can do some fun stuff with it. Do you want to buy this house? I'm going to hold out a little bit. 
Okay. I'm going to I'm gonna talk with my wife. I know you're I'm looking at that beautiful Victorian down the street, but you're not going to be able to pick out the backsplash over there. <laughs> That's what this pitch sounds like to me. It's just not, it just reaffirms what we already felt. If they want anybody, they're going to have to way overspend, which I already thought. I, I feel like I already knew, but like, that's your sales pitch. It's a new era. Gerard Mayo. That just means money. And so fine. I, I already felt like the Patriots had to outspend people, but that is not a compelling pitch at all. No, it's like the craftsmanship. We think it's going to be great. We're inspired. Don't you want to come see it? I don't. I, I don't. Uh, not unless I'm getting a great deal. Uh, and, you know, for a player, I'd want to be overly compensated. And that's how the Patriots are going to get guys. Now, here's the problem. Here's the issue. Who are they going to get? Mike Evans. Jenna Lane reported today. Mike Evans and the, the Bucks are working on an extension. The Vikings came out today and said, Justin Jefferson, we're not trading him. The Raiders came out and said, Devontae Adams, he's going to be a Raider. Uh, T. Higgins has already been franchise tagged. The Jaguars have said they're paying Calvin Ridley. I think, just using my brain, the Colts aren't going to let Michael Pittman get away. That That's the one the whole time I felt was the least likely to hit free agency. But I, I haven't seen any info yet. Has he been tagged? Is there any reporting? So like Classic Jones, the one I thought wasn't going to get to market, is actually going to be the one that gets to market. But if all those guys are gone... Trade targets, free agent targets. Now who's left? Maybe Steph Diggs? And maybe Buffalo would trade him to you. Maybe not. I saw the Twitch chat make that point earlier. Why would Buffalo trade him to you? I don't know. Because they know he's bad now. I don't know. It's. I mean, right. <laughs> the Patriots and Bills have made trades before. The Patriots and Dolphins have made trades before. The Patriots made trades with the Jets. Now, not usually of a player of that magnitude, but look, you want to go in the Wayback Machine. The Patriots and Bills made a trade with Bledsoe. So that can happen. Give him the best offer. They'll make a trade with you. Or maybe he just gets bought out. You know, there's there's potential that he just gets outright released. It got bad with Steph Diggs last year. And I think we only know the surface of it. But I don't know that he's going to be available, and I don't know that the Bills would trade him here in fairness. It, you'd have to really trump somebody else's offer to make it worth their while. So who's really out there? Are we now talking about Hollywood Brown and some of the other names we got on the text line? Maybe Brandon Ayuk. Curtis Samuel. Who I don't think is going to be available. Curtis Samuel. Tyler Boyd. Do you want to bring back Kendrick Bourne? Like, all of a sudden, what I thought was going to be a more flush wide receiver class, there aren't as many names there. So now who are we overpaying? Who are we spending on? And that makes me a little afraid of the Gerard Mayo burn cash comment, which is maybe why Elliot Wolf was a little more guarded. He said, well, yeah, we're going to do what's right. Spending, saving, TBD. TBD, when we thought it was D. They added a TB in front of it. Look, what I'm worried about is that maybe they had all, every intention of burning cash, and now they're looking at it, and they think that they're going to be in a situation again with the names that you named. A lot of good players. Yeah. These are very good players, but it's like what you've been caught in in the last five or so years So again, where it's a bunch of threes. It's a Red Sox. Well, but it's a bunch of threes. You don't have a number one receiver. You probably don't have somebody who would be a number two receiver on most other rosters. You have a Bunch of threes. Great. They're the Red Sox. And we're that's gonna, not We're going to go full throttle on Yamamoto. Oh, whoops. He's $300 million. We're actually not going to do that. And then months later, we're going to float that Unless we actually offered like, $300 really million. Unless you go really wild with a trade or somebody. Look, somebody surprising may shake loose. That happens. It's just sure. I, I'm feeling a little bit more nervous about free agency knowing that we had predicted that T. Higgins was going to get tagged. Okay, we that, thought Michael Pittman Jr. is going to get tagged. That, like, 
and there's more money to spend. More teams have you. It's not just you who has right. more money to spend. There's more money to spend, which means less of these guys may get to market. Well, how were you able to get guys here in the first place? It was okay. Well, I have the opportunity to play for Coach Belichick. I had the opportunity to play with Tom Brady. Well, that stuff is long gone now. So, and even still, how many of those guys took less to do that? But that and that's just it. Is unless you're going to blow a team away with a trade, and you know, just thinking about how I'm like, oh, how they get Randy Moss? Well, they had to trade for him, or you you managed to luck out and find a total diamond in the rough, like a Wes Welker. You're going to have to repeat what you're doing, uh, what you did going into that 2021 season, where you're overpaying for Nelson Aguilar, Kendrick Bourne. Hunter Henry, but I guess the question that I'm starting to think about in real time is we're all seeing the landscape of the free agency market change, and I wonder if that would then alter the Patriots' plans, because if you think about what we were talking about before, if they don't love a quarterback, do they turn around and go, okay, plan B, we are going to take Marvin Harrison Jr., and all that money that we had earmarked for one of these top-line free agent wide receivers that's gone now— we're going to overspend and get it like a good bridge quarterback, like Who? maybe a Baker Mayfield or a Kirk Cousins. May, so Cousins, I think you possibly could I'm get. just wondering, is this Mayfield? enough for them to turn around and go, okay, maybe we should rethink our immediate future if we can't get one of these guys okay. and we can't find a trade partner to dance maybe. with? Maybe. Is that a good plan? No. I, I think, think so that's either. so short-sighted. Like, I, I'm I'm also, no offense, Ryan, I'm also concerned about the free agency market. No offense, we hate your plan. Looking like something plan. that I that I didn't project it was going to be crap. looking as bare as it might be. But at the same time, you don't pass up. If you think that you have a franchise quarterback that's sitting there in the draft, you don't pass that up because all of a sudden the receiver landscape changed. Receivers change teams all the time. You know who doesn't? Quarterbacks. Yeah, so you know what I do? Franchise quarterbacks. You know what I do? I still take the quarterback at three. And by the way, they're scheduled to meet with Jaden Daniels tonight at the combine. I don't know if I said that yet on the air. We were talking about it off the air. He's going to meet with the Giants at six, the Vikings at 11. I don't know where the Saints draft. Probably uh, teens-ish, early teens. And the Patriots. That's who he's scheduled to meet with. He's going to meet with the Commanders tomorrow. Uh, so make of that what you will. That just means to me I'm locked in on a receiver at 34, or I'm trading into the 20s to go get somebody who may be dropping. Brian Thomas, LSU. I like Keon Coleman. Intern Jacob hates him. So, you know, uh, that's what I'm now doing. I If I can't get the free agent receiver and the trade options aren't there, I'm all in on a receiver late second, early first. And that's another moment of truth because we have looked at the Patriots as a franchise that really can't draft receivers. And how much of that is Bill? How much is that if Bill, like, big-footing his staff because he wanted Nikhil Harry oh, when yeah. there were other I, great receivers out I'm there? I'm done with that. I'm done with the idea of, like, oh, God, can they draft a receiver? It's a whole different drafting regime. But it's so a prove-it moment. No, 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 it's a prove-it moment. But I, this is an area, you know me, I'm very hesitant to give the benefit of the doubt. This is one where I'll give him benefit of the doubt. 617-779-7937. It's Keith and Hart. They come your way at 6 tonight. First, we have Meg explaining with Megan Adelini. Why don't you explain this to me like I am an eight-year-old? Do you need it broken down? It's so dumb. Why don't you explain this to me like I'm five? Well, lucky for you. I don't know how else to talk about it. Shut up, Meg. It's time for... Now I let you know! Meg explaining. Meg explaining. I was skimming Reddit like a creep earlier today, and I came across this prompt. People will put out a prompt, just a very vague one that everyone can weigh in on. Uh-huh. This one was about golden age and the idea of you hear about golden age the golden age of hollywood even the golden age of like prestige television when the sopranos was on and then you get breaking bad you get all these great shows i think we all understand what i'm talking about right sure yeah 
And so what are we in the golden age of that we don't recognize enough? Let's take a moment to appreciate what we're in the golden age of. And on the flip side, after that, we'll get to what are we in the worst of the worst of the worst of the, the dark, dark ages, ages of. Okay. Which I know you're dying to get to because you're the Lord of Darkness. Yeah, that's more my thing. Yeah. So here's a couple that this Reddit thread, I mean, first of all, it was like internet porn. And it's like, okay, I don't need to like go down that. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, but uh, honestly, tre- tremendous suggestion. Yeah. Okay. How about just like porn? Yeah. I yeah, don't want to go down that road. Yeah, the, gold, the golden age of porn. Okay. It's good. all internet porn. Okay. <laughs> So, well, ask Arkan. I don't know. He was at the airport earlier this week. We'll have to find out if he brought home any souvenirs. So, here's (laughs) some of the other uh, submissions. Okay. Home televisions. I thought this was a great one. Home TVs have never been better quality for less money. Get a big flat screen. Go get that, like, on President's Day weekend. Price I'll get on board with, but, like, I don't know. Oh, I'm sorry. TVs were nicer 20 years ago? I don't know. I mean, mean, no, they weren't nicer, but, like, are they better than they were, like, five years ago? I have no idea. You get more quality for less money than ever before. They're cheaper. Okay, we're not going to go through this with every single one. Let's go through a couple, okay, and well, then we'll many, get well, to some more personal. How many are This is all news to me. Okay, I, didn't, I, I didn't know there were like 20 of these. Megsplain. Yeah. Podcast. Christ. Oh, we're definitely not in the eight. We're not in the golden age of podcasts. You think they're going to get better? No. No. You think we've already passed it? Yes. I don't okay. know if there ever really was one. To I be think, totally yeah. honest with you. <laughs> I'm with Ryan. The golden age of podcasts. I think we've reached the saturation point, but yep, okay. Okay, uh, craft beer. Uh... Are we like departing it? I feel like we're also now we're into like hard seltzer and all these other. Yeah, options. right. I think Ciders we're more. I think we're more in a. Yeah, I, I would. I would agree more with that. Teas. We're more. We're more in a seltzer. Who knows what golden the kids age. are drinking? Yeah, well, they're not. They're drink, I know what they're drinking. They're drinking non-alcoholic. Oh, really? That's like a hot. That's yes. Generation beneath us. That's like a hot in the streets thing. Non-alcoholic. What like O'Doul's? Dry January. Dry, dry fe- let me extend my okay, dry January into dry February. That's a different thing than being like, I just don't drink. Yeah, but I'm drinking non-alcoholic beers is what I'm telling okay. you. That's a thing. That, 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 maybe that is a golden age for, so, you know, the last Gen one on Z. Here, horror movies. Who wrote that? You wrote that. No, no, no. That's a, a couple of people submitted that and were like, they've never been better. I was like, I don't know. I mean, I think The Exorcist and Rosemary's Baby, like that was probably two of the greatest horror movies of all time and that was quite a while ago you can get on board with winnie the pooh the homicidal maniac <laughs> it was the one that came out recently that the nobody Mickey, will the watch Mickey Mouse one. thanksgiving oh i thought you were talking about another one like <laughs> the, uh, winnie the pooh one thanksgiving? i want to watch thanksgiving and with nobody like, will watch it with me with like the slasher pilgrim yes i actually have seen and it's supposed to take place in massachusetts well yeah i would imagine well i don't know <laughs> i haven't seen it so i don't know i can't con- cannot confirm where do you think it was in the in the uh, Appalachian well, they, Mountains they pro- with the with the whole uh, Drake May family? Jones, they probably filmed it in Georgia or something because <laughs> the taxes are cheaper. Sure. Don't come at me with film tax credits, please. <laughs> we are not okay. in the golden age of taxes. Here's a couple that I want to add personally. Okay. One is seltzer waters. We have seltzer never. Water. Yeah, we've never had so many seltzer waters to prove to choose from with such great qualities. I'm a big seltzer girl, like Polar. Poland Spring, all you get. Mountain yeah. Dew. Mountain Dew. Mountain Dew should do a seltzer water. If Mountain Dew did a caffeinated seltzer water, I would be on that like flies this, on you know what. This might be a dumb question. Is is there caffeinated seltzer water? Yeah. There yeah, is. there is. That exists. Like Celsius is kind of like that. But it then is. it veers into energy drink territory. It gets it. really okay. crazy. Um, okay, here's a couple others really quick. Uh-huh. Cookies. Cookies have never been better. I heard Andy Hart talking about this on Friday. Like the big cookies that are... Cookies have never been better? He was trying to tear down big cookies. Okay. Succulents. 
People have never had what so many hell? succulents Dump in their that. whole life. <laughs> succulents are the little plants. They're they're uh, like cacti. Succulents, and then here's the last one: edibles. Okay, fine. Maybe that one's right because when were they legal before? I want to go back to succulents. There's never there's never been better dry succulents plants. Have never had such a moment. <laughs> succulents are everywhere. You go into some basic bitch's apartment; it's full of succulents. And she's probably eating edibles and drinking seltzer waters. So Maybe it's, like it's the golden age of basic and, bitches. And so, like, when we go back and we look at the year 2024, we're in the golden age of seltzer water, yes. succulents, <laughs> and edibles? Yes. <laughs> I hydration? I hope that's not where we're at. That's where the we're at. The golden age of do hydration. You, do you have any that you want to add in? I was going to say reality TV. I think we're in oh, a gold. No. I think we're in a golden no age of reality TV. Way. Yes way. No way. Yes that way. was definitely like eight years ago. When? What show? When you were still allowed to drink on reality TV. You can drink on reality TV. Only on Bravo. Even, I used yeah. to watch Fine. Only on Bravo. I know, but has Bravo elevated it? Maybe. I think we're no. in a golden age of reality TV. I think you're wrong. I think we've really passed it. And now everybody's like way too self-aware with it. Do that. you ever get told you look like a celebrity? I think I'm giving, I'm by the way, giving uh, uh, Deal or No Deal Island a shot. That's, okay. I, 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 I'm, was, I'm giving that one a I shot. When I heard about that abstractly, I was like, that's so stupid. And then I saw a trailer for it and I was like, mm, <laughs> I'm kind of in. Tra- I'm, Traders I'm is great. All the Bravo shows are great. No, Golden Age of Reality TV. You can okay. hate on it if you want, but it's a Golden Age of Reality TV. Do you have any TV. others that you no, want to add before I, I go into I Dark Ages? I didn't realize ages? I needed 10 of them. I just okay. came up with one. Here are my Dark Ages. We are definitely in the Dark Age of comedy. Nothing's allowed to be funny anymore. Everything is canceled. It's I the see. only place where I accept cancel culture in existence yeah, so because everybody woke, just gets woke, mad. We're in a dark age of wokeness is what you're saying. <laughs> that's that's um, your actual answer because comedy. there's there's people out there that are funny. We're in a dark age of wokeness. Uh, I don't know about that. Uh, I think that's your answer. Rock music. Uh, that one definitely. It's tough. It's yeah. tough out there. Like, I had to I, outsource I mean, my rock music. It's the greatest thing I've ever done. What do you mean outsource? Yeah, I only I, I go to other countries where, oh. where there are still prominent musicians. I thought you're not you meant, getting it here. I thought you meant the AI Lincoln Park oh uh, version of whatever that uh, whatever the song is that you were playing. Somebody I used to know. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, that that is that's like outsourcing your rock. Music. Darkest of dark ages. That scares the hell okay, out I've of got, me. Okay, I've got I've got three more here. Three more customer service. Oh, we, you think we're in a dark age? We of customer are in service. a bad place with customer service just because there isn't any. It's just tough. Well, what's it's tough about it? The people, the people are bad or, or there's a lack of it? Between the robotic answering machines and the surveys that never get back to you and trying to reach a real human being and then sometimes reaching a human being and not being able to work through it and trying to keep your head about you, I just don't think it's ever been worse. Okay. Um, the next, and this goes into the next one. Complimentary table food. We are truly in the dark ages. There is a Mexican restaurant, which I, I will not name. I don't get bread anymore? That, uh, yeah. Have you been to a nice restaurant in the city? They don't give you bread. No. They don't give you crackers. No bread basket. I, uh, I, do, get, I do get bread. Jones. I, there's a nice restaurant in Charlestown I get bread at. I guarantee you I do, yes. There was a Mexican restaurant that I adored in Boston. Uh-huh. And it changed ownership. And they stopped the complimentary chips and salsa. Oh, so now you got to pay three bucks for chips and salsa? That Wait, you, you'll, skip, you'll skimp on that? religious. Why? You cannot, no free chips and salsa at a Mexican restaurant? Like, that's terrible. You want a handout? Yes. You want a chip and salsa handout? Yes. I think bread, bread, bread uh, should be free. Uh, you know, if you want to give me like some bread at the beginning, fine. That should be free. Give me a dinner roll. Fine. Chips and salsa? I don't mind next, if they charge me for next that. Next up, they're not going to give you any water. You you're going to have to yeah, bring next, in next up, your you want golden free age guac? of seltzer water. Next, you want free tacos. No, no, no. Yes. I, I always expect to pay for guac. Especially okay, Especially when they why? bring it over in a little cart next to the table and mix it up in front of you. <laughs> I like that. That's romantic. Um, final one. It's romantic. Okay. Sitcoms. 
dark ages of sitcoms. Yeah, I don't know if I I don't know if I agree with that. I don't know if we're in a dark age, but well, it's, it's definitely not the golden age. There, I'll give you there that. was absolutely a golden age of, of sitcoms. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I just don't think that you're ever going to like sorry, Wick Grossbeck and Tom Warner. I don't I don't think your John Cryer little set in Boston thing is gonna take off the way that you hope it does. What anytime a sitcom is like remotely good, it becomes the biggest cultural phenomenon. Define a sitcom. Okay, so I'm thinking of the show that I'm not allowed to say because it's Thank you. Blank Creek. Oh God! People yeah, were yeah. obsessed with that show, and it's like this is just a pretty good sitcom. I liked it; my whole family liked it. But it's just like a pretty good sitcom. But it shows you how is thirsty people are for that. Um, I don't know. What to, is, I don't know what to define yeah. it. But if we're talking, it's just like yeah. a funny show. See, and that's I how we're defining a sitcom. Network, te- it's going to be a network television. No, it does be a real sitcom. See, I, no, I don't doesn't. think it does. I'm I'm with Mego on this. That's no. not personally how you I would it define it. You want to be accessible to everybody. The yeah, lowest common denominator so that probably doesn't have a Netflix. streaming service like you. No, do. I totally disagree with that. I mean, it's got to be pretty just much a pretty much everybody. Comedy. Pretty much everyone has Netflix. Uh, pretty much everyone has Amazon Prime at this point, don't they? Not everybody, uh, but, but pretty, I would say pretty, most people have Netflix. A, major, a majority of people. How about that? Like I don't know. Like I'm, I'm sure there was a time where people didn't have cable television and people didn't have television. If you really want to rewind it that far, but like it's not my it's not my responsibility for what people can watch and what they can't watch. I would define a sitcom personally. Maybe it's not the right definition. But I would just say it's a funny show. Well, as the great Rob Raffer would say, it's your prerogative to be wrong. So what are we in the dark ages of? What are we in the dark ages of, Ryan? Man. See, you guys can't come up with one thing. This is me. No, because I don't have like weirdly yeah, high expectations yeah, you're so glass for like, how empty. Mike Walk gets Yeah, I mean, like, if you me. really want me to answer, what are we in the dark ages of? I don't know, this planet? Like, I don't know, like, Whoa, Boston like Boston hey, sports? Like, what Like what are we really in the dark there. ages of? Like, on. like, there's we're a million. keeping it light. There's real, there's we're real like, big things we're in the dark ages of. <laughs> but, you know, I don't know. I, I guess talking I didn't. talking about guac and chips. I didn't think enough about the food. talking about climate change. The complimentary handout food they give me before my meal. I didn't think about that. So I do have a golden age. I just, I don't know how to really put it into words but the idea that there can be like some kind of like funny but innocuous story and you find out like every single aspect of that person's life like i think of the the airplane woman it was like those mother efforts are not real and yeah, it yeah. was this whole thing about we couldn't find her and then we found out everything there is to find out i don't know if it's Did like pseudo investigative journalism like the really fringy stuff i think like that's something that was not prevalent 20 years ago because people are, are so open uh with all these facts of their life hmm. Now the Twitch chat is saying I always want free stuff. Yeah, I would, I would agree with of that. Of course I do. Who would, doesn't want would, free stuff? I'm sorry. You don't want free stuff? I feel like half the reason you were going on and on about seltzer is you were looking for free seltzer. I'm, I'm open to a succulents. I'm open to a sponsorship. My mom hates succulents. She thinks they're gross looking. I don't know what they are, really. They're those little you. desert plants. It's nice that you don't have to water. Is that something that would get smashed on your front stoop if you left it out there for your oh, neighbor? Probably. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah. That's in, like, now, that's in like a clay now pot. Now I know what that's succulents getting, are. That's getting smashed for sure. Uh, there you go. It's Meg explaining each and every day at this time. Here on Jones and Mego with Garvin today. No Arcand. Uh, we have Bet Roulette. Some picks for tonight. That's next. You can stream the show or listen on demand anytime. Just download the Odyssey app. That's A-U-D-A-C-Y. Say W-E-E-I's a favorite and listen wherever you go. Now more of Jones and Mego on W-E-E-I. We've seen this movie before. The Celtics are not judged on regular season. Jason Tatum is not judged on regular season. We haven't even seen Chris, uh, uh, Christophe Przingis in a playoff meaningful game. 
I don't know what he's going to do in the series, but I do know what the Denver Nuggets are going to do. I do know what Jokic and Jamal Murray is going to do. I also know what Kawhi Leonard Jordan is capable of doing with the Los Angeles Clippers. Last time he who, did by that. the way, just about a but, but just and by the way, just about a month ago, went down to Boston and stomped them out. Went down to Boston and stomped them out. He stomped them out. The Clippers stomped them out. I just like hearing Perk say stomped them out over and over and over again. Not a big believer. Went the down s- to Boston and stomped them out. 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 Went down to Boston and stomped them out. Who says? Who says we're in a dark age of rock music? Listen to that. It's a remix by Ryan Garvin on the fly. Uh. Andy Hart. See your AI do that. Yeah, seriously. Andy Hart uh, popped his head, and he felt so strongly about what we're in a golden age of. Okay. That he just gave his answer off the air as he was walking down the hall. Ooh, what is it? Dipping sauces slash condiments. Yes. It's a great answer. That's Sriracha. That's not what he told me. <laughs> what, what did he say? Andy, what are we in the golden age of? Biggest busts. That's right. <laughs> Aioli. Well. There's no doubt we're in a ketchup. we're in an age of that for sure. Oh, and the good ketchup is back at Fenway. See, there's plenty to celebrate. Uh, look, I was not one of these people up in arms last year about the ketchup at Fenway. Like honestly, I I had eaten it plenty why, of times. Why is that? I didn't even I didn't even realize it was the the w- weird ketchup. But it's a nice sign that the Red Sox are at least willing to listen to their customers on the ketchup. I I, I wasn't on the the same side as the uh, you know. Torches and and pitchfork yes, fans. Many cranky eight and nine year olds. Right can't over have their ketchup. Uh, well, I reject that. Uh, an adult can have ketchup on a hot dog. Don't be an Arcand over there. No. So, you know, Arcand feels very strongly about that. Yeah, you know that? we've had this conversation. Okay. So, I, I'm happy the Red Sox are at least showing they're they're willing to listen to to people. The 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 outraged. I, I'd start with spending on players, but ketchup is something. It's a nice little trade off. Dipping uh, sauce is a good one. Shout out Andy Hart. Yeah, it's a great one. Like you said. Aioli, you know, never mind. Uh, you you want to get your various hot sauces and things like that. Mm-hmm. Like that's we have to be in a golden age of just hot sauce specifically. I think we're in a golden age of fries. There's there's, there's television shows for the hot sauce. For French fries or you know, uh, internet only shows. Yeah, exactly. Cheese fries, dipping sauces for your fries. It's a good time for fries. Yeah, no, it's a good fries are making a comeback. <laughs> fries, you know, they were frowned upon for a while, but no. now. It's eat, their time. Eat them, get on Ozempic, it all balances out. Uh, so there you go. Uh, that's uh, Andy Hart's uh, jumping in on this. Uh, the Celtics are finally back in action, right? They haven't been playing enough. They're finally back in action here tonight. Uh, so we'll keep our eyes on them. Maybe they're a part of our picks for tonight in Bet Roulette. All right. I'm going to give you a choice. You can either have the money and the hammer, or you can walk out of here. You can't have both. You don't f*** around in this place. You got it? Boom, boom. That's it. Gambling. That Roulette brought to you by Cars for Kids. Easy way to donate your car. You can donate today. Your car will be picked up tomorrow. Go to carsforkids.com or 1-877-CARS-4-KIDS. That's cars with a K and the number four. Ryan, you hit last night. Yes, the Heat covered. The Heat won outright. Like on the money line, Ryan hit. Uh, Brooklyn. I, I, know, I know that team. Brooklyn won huge Big. over Memphis. So did we hit our parlay last night? We did not. We did it. We did not. And I feel like every time Mego picks the Knicks, there's some shenanigans in the game to follow. And this time it was uh, the the Pistons crying that they didn't get a foul called, which there should have been. Right. So the Knicks won. But nowhere near. They did not cover the eleven. And nowhere points. near covering. That uh, that is number. true. All right, Mega, roll away. Let's get okay, back on the uh, the right foot here. Ba, 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 ba. 
Mega it's rolls a, a It's a sideways It's three. a leaning three. It's, it's a, a three. three. Thank you. We're going with three. A three official, that would be Steph Curry point total. The over-under, Mego, is 29 and a half points for Steph Curry. They will be playing in Washington, the Wizards. Team. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. I'm going to go with who, the over there. I wasn't sure who they were playing either. I was that's about to one. look up. I'm like, what's Steph Curry averaging over the last several games? And Been he's gone good. like 32, 15, 20. So it's a nice little... Uh, 29 sounds like a good average, but you're playing Washington, take the over. Yeah, I'm with Mego on that. Over on Steph Curry tonight, 29 and a half against Washington, unless they're just blowing him out by so much he doesn't get to hit his number. Right, he just many sits. my parlays. It's the only concern. Uh, I rolled a six there, Ryan. A six would be Jason Tatum point total. The over-under as they host the Philadelphia 76ers tonight for Jason Tatum Jones is 25 and a half points. Oh, definitely over that. I was thinking like 27 in my oh. head. So give me over on 25 and a half against Philadelphia. Similar potential concern as Mego just detailed. Like maybe they're just blowing Philadelphia out by mm-hmm. too much. That'd be my only minor level of concern, but at the same time, he's hung 50 on this team before. I think he could score 25 and a half. Give me the over. Well, I have also run into a similar predicament that you two have. I rolled a five, and that would be Shea Gilgis-Alexander point total. They are the national game right after the Celtics, and SGA is my favorite to win the MVP, and I think those numbers will only go up tonight because his point total is set at 31 and a half versus the Houston Rockets. That is what we call an easy night for the pending MVP of the league, SGA. I will take the over 31 and a half points against Ime Udoka's Houston Rockets. Over's all over the place. Mego is on the Steph Curry over 29 and a half. I got Tatum only 25 and a half for the over. Uh, Ryan taking SGA, Gildas Alexander. Sweat free. 31 and a half. He calls it sweat free. Do we know what those are combined? Probably not. Ryan normally can calculate those no, out. Doing He's doing, 80 things back doing too many things. Uh, but figure that out on your own time. It's an overs uh, parlay here tonight during Bet Roulette. Uh, stay tuned. Rich Keefe and Andy Hart. I'm sure there's more condiment takes in your future, but they're taking all your phone calls. 617-779-7937. Reacting to all the latest from Elliot Wolf today at the Combine. Uh, you can hear them coming up at 6. We'll talk to you tomorrow at 2 o'clock right here on WEEI. That's you the pumpkin market. The gift I don't know me. this song. And the card inside would say thank you for <laughs> being a friend. I didn't realize that. You're no, rough. I just like having a prop. Got I'm it. waving a wiffle ball bat around. A this, what? This, is a, this is a wiffle ball bat, right? A what? A wiffle ball bat. A wiffle ball bat. Thank you. Uh, third try was a charm there. A wiffle, a wiffle ball. A wiffle. A wiffle ball. It's not a wiffle ball. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this. Why? A lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale with Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases and shop top mattresses.
mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. We all agree that reducing carbon emissions is a good thing. And once again, Toyota is leading the way. We hear a lot about fully electric vehicles, and Toyota has them, with more coming in. But we also know a BEV is not for everyone, whether it's because of cost, range, or concern about finding a charging station when you need it. Plus, the raw materials used to manufacture batteries are limited. Enter Beyond Zero, Toyota's vision for a carbon-neutral future. In vehicles and in manufacturing plants, too, in the years ahead. The materials used to make just one long-range battery for an EV could be used to make batteries for six plug-in hybrids or 90 gas-electric hybrids. That's why Toyota's position today is electrified, diversified, empowering you to choose how to reduce your own carbon footprint with the vehicle that's right for you, a hybrid, plug-in hybrid, or battery EV. So shop, learn more, and get details at toyota.com slash beyond zero. Toyota, let's go places.